Hey everybody, Matt, Jess and Dave here. Sorry Jess, just butting in quickly to let the listeners know that I'm going to be in Sydney uh, this week coming up the 8th to the 12th of May and uh, you can get tickets now via mattsfieldcomedy.com then going straight to Brisbane on the 16th to the 19th. So tickets for my show Dry Dryer. In Sydney and Melbourne. Sorry, Matt, I'll just cut you off there. I just need to tell everyone that our quiz show, our web series is out right now. Do go on the quiz show. You can see it on Stupid Old Channel for free on YouTube. Type in, do go on the quiz show, and you can see three episodes right now covering topics like Google, Queen Victoria, the Olympics, and we've got five more episodes coming up. So like and subscribe, whatever that means. They are big topics too. And I said Sydney and Melbourne. I meant Sydney and Brisbane. Anyway, let's get on with the show. I'm still here too. (laughs) Oh, hey, Jess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Jess Perkins. Hello! And Matt Stewart! Thank you, Dave. Hello! <laughs> thank you, Dave. And welcome to you too, Dave and Jess, and thank you. Quick question, how good is it to be alive? Uh-huh. A question that hasn't been posed for a while, and I, I, would, I would like to consider it. And I think my answer is I wish I was never born. Okay. Hmm. Well, this week I'm going to jump on uh, Matt's side because- this is big people. Mm. Okay. We've it's been some, counting- It's big people. This is big people, yeah. It goes wow. all the way to the top. This isn't for children. To a okay. person. No. This is, an, this is adult podcasting <laughs> now. Our young ears turn off. I don't have pants on. Whoa. And we've warned you, okay? <laughs> no, this is big. We've been counting down the biggest topics of the year for the last- Eight weeks, yep. and it all comes down to this: the number one most voted for topic of Blockbuster Tober slash Blowember, yes, Tober Grace period, twenty twenty three. People, oh man, can, can I say before we reveal what it is? Mm. Uh, this won the vote by an absolute landslide. Wow, unbelievable! So, oh, it was pretty tight between second spot and ninth spot. They were all twenty something percent <laughs> of the vote. Shit. But today's topic was just shy of 40%. Whoa. That's just pretty unanimous. The people want this. Yes. That's, well, that's you know, amazing. If you think of four and ten being unanimous today. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this fucking guy, am I right? <laughs> this fucking this guy. This guy. Well, I mean, if you only, only accept the opinion of the top 40% as I do. <laughs> yeah. This is 100% of the top 40%. <laughs> that's true. 
Okay, there's too many numbers. <laughs> That's hurt my brain a little bit. So, yeah, this, but it was uh, by far, like, the next closest was 28 or 29% of the votes. Yep. So, this was a uh, big, big vote puller. Yeah, big, big vote puller. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's going to be, it's going to be good. All right. And look, you say that because obviously there is a spreadsheet somewhere that Dave and I would know if we just looked at it, we'd know what this topic is. I have no idea. Dave, have you got any recollection? Can't can't say I do. Great. Can't so, say I do. So we're going in blind. We're going in blind. Well, should we say, so Blockbuster Tober is our, our annual countdown of our most requested topics. Matt puts together a massive poll of a couple of hundred topics that have all been requested many, many times and says, hey, what do you want us to talk about? And thousands of people voted. You could vote for multiple topics. Yep. And, but this one, obviously- it piqued the interest of four in ten people yeah. on on the vote, which is incredible. It's huge. All right. So, we always start- oh, Do you want to explain how the show works, Dave? Well, we take it in turns to report on a topic, often su- suggested to us by one of the listeners, go away, do a bit of research and bring it back for the group. And as Matt was about to say, we always start with a question that gets us onto topic. What's it going to be? The question this week is, what book describes itself as the last word on the English language? Guinness Book of Records. Uh, incorrect. <laughs> Last word of the English language. Last word on the English language. They're saying this is the book. If you want English language, this is the Bible. It's not the Bible. It's <laughs> the Bible. It's the last word I'm in. <laughs> is the whole Bible a prayer? <laughs> Amen. It's, yeah. Sometimes, have you ever been at one of those dinners where they say, all right, let's read the Bible Yeah. as uh, the what do you call those things before? Grace. Let's grace. say Bible grace. I thought you couldn't think of the word church. <laughs> what do they call that thing where people go in and read the Bible? What, what, they that, that what do they call that? What's that, what's that a study? <laughs> Faultless pantry? What is that? <laughs> what is that? Okay, it's a book about the English language. Yes. Is it the dictionary? Yes. Specifically? Oxford. It is the Oxford <laughs> English Dictionary. Wow, you go Oxford over Cambridge. Okay, interesting. Well, no, I'm only saying what the Oxford in- English Dictionary describes itself as the last <laughs> so word the on the English language. So, the most voted on topic for Block was the dictionary. <laughs> yeah. Have our, have our <laughs> listeners taken the piss? Are they okay? Are they all right? Have we run out? Of- Should Block end? Are you just going to re- Have we done all the good topics? Will you just be reading words and their definition? Yeah. I'm going to be reading the dictionary today. Whoa. It's going to be our longest episode ever. Um, no, I'm going to tell the history. Um, and it's only been suggested by two people, so that's another interesting thing. Mm, wow. So much vote, but only two people. Tyler Spiewak from Deerfield in Illinois. Incredible. In the United States. I was just in Illinois. Yeah. Very cool. Is that where Chicago is? Yes. Yes. And also uh, from Lauren in Warrnambool. Ah. Have you been- In Victoria, wh- where I am right now. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> He's a traveller. <laughs> I've been to those he has places. wanderlust. Are we led to believe that maybe Lauren has been using some sort of bot system to get thousands of votes for this topic? That no, that only one of two people to suggest. What you've got to understand is this story involves intrigue. A lot of words. Oh, intrigue is a word. Yes, history. That was also in the dictionary. Mm. A murder. <laughs> oh, I don't know if a murder is in the dictionary, but probably murder of crows. Oh, really? A collective noun. Uh, it's good, you know, it's, there's a bit going on, all right? Cool. Okay, yeah, well, at first I did think the voters, the listeners, had lost their minds, but it sounds like there's an interesting story to it. I trust them. I trust them with not my life, but 
Probably with my podcast. Yeah, trust them with well, the this is <laughs> So this is how the topic was pitched, and potentially this will be the name of the episode. Okay. The Making of the Oxford Dictionary, A Tale of Murder and Insanity. Whoa, we do like both of those things here. Okay. Dictionaries and murder. Can <laughs> <laughs> um, we take, take a leave of insanity? Yeah. So I'm going to take it back to the beginning. And this is according to Arnav Das Sharma writing for the Hindustan Times. In November of 1857, the members of the London Philological Society sat down to hear a paper by the Dean of Westminster, a guy named Richard Trench. There's a lot of good names in this. Yeah. That's, wow. That is one of but many. Dick Trench. <laughs> Dick Trench. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. Dick Trench. Okay, maybe that's the best we're going to get. But that All is- right. Who wants Dick Trench in the uh, group chat? <laughs> Uh, well, if Dave is, uh, what are you, Dave? Rick Payne. I think that could change to Dick, Dick Trench. Trench. Dick Trench. Okay, yeah. that's right. We have nicknames in our, our podcast group chat that change from time to time. The, and the joy is you never see your own one. <laughs> no. So, you forget who you are. I f- I'll forget in a couple of weeks that I'm popping up every day in your, in your inbox as Dick, Dick Trench. Trench. <laughs> I'm currently Bastard Paul. <laughs> uh, I like to tag you as just at Bastard. And Matt is Francois Payne. <laughs> this is all referencing an episode of Who Knew It from about- <laughs> months ago. I don't I, remember I can, what Bastard Paul is. I can't really remember the, uh, it's fun. Uh, uh, the origin either. Anyway, Dick anyway, Trench. So, Dick Trench argued <laughs> to the uh, London Philological Society that the English system of preserving words was so inadequate that the task needed to be taken up from scratch, that what Britain needed more than ever was a worthy successor to Johnson's Dictionary. Which is another <laughs> John- Johnson's dictionary. Johnson's dick. Yeah, Johnson obviously being a another word for dick. Dick dictionary. Hmm. Um, can that be mine? Dick dictionary. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so th- this um, dictionary by Johnson that uh, they mentioned there that was the go-to word list of the day, uh, according to Anna Kelsey Sugg. Which is an awesome name. Uh, writing for Radio National, Kelsey Sugg um, <laughs> said that Samuel Johnson's dictionary uh, was published uh, since 1755, so it was already a pretty old book. Oh yeah, he's a pretty famous guy that put together the first dictionary. That guy, right? Uh, I don't know if it was the first dictionary. That seems to be slightly contentious. But right, but that he's a that's a famous person. Yeah, like and his the- lifelong pursuit of. Putting something together. His book, um, I believe, was called A Dictionary of the English Language in which the words are deduced from their originals and illustrated in their different significations by examples from the best uh, from the Beft writers to which are prefixed a history of the language and an English grammar by Samuel Johnson uh, AM. I, I did not I didn't understand a word of that. I can see why he decided not to be a novelist. It's such a crazy title. It's way too long. It's so long. And there's like different fonts. And yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually impossible to read. A graphic designer would have a conniption over that, I think. Um, well, you heard me try and read it. Yeah. There were words. Did best used to be spelt beft? Doesn't matter. But it like it just it just kept going. What about yeah. his portrait? Like they they really captured how angry he looked. <laughs> oh my god. Just an angry guy. He looks like he's gassy. Yeah. Because like, uh, also he's got, he's kind of he's got that, poodle uh, hair. But you know how people were like sat for portraits for like days? Yeah. Because he kept that expression for three straight days. That's just his face. 
Don't you his hair looks like poodle ears? He does. He looks like he's got the same ears as Humphrey, my dog. And he he was clearly from a different generation because I think every man involved in the Oxford Dictionary had a big bushy grey beard and ah. he was clean shaven. So you can oh, see right. the, the dick trench there, the yeah, divide, yeah. <laughs> so to speak, the dictionary trench. <laughs> Uh, so, apparently, uh, his book, according to author Pip Williams, uh, included made-up definitions and idiosyncratic spelling and was, quote, completely incomplete. Which is like, it, at the time, it was the go-to, but it wasn't up to the job. Uh, so, the Philological Society, London-based organisation devoted to the scholarly study of language, agreed that a new system was required. They agreed with Dick Trench there. They're like, you know what? You bang on. Let's get to work. And this uh, this all kicked off the process towards the new English dictionary. Uh, the project was to be spearheaded by a trio of fantastically named fellows, Herbert Coleridge, Frederick Furnival, and Richard Chenevik's Trench. Oh, my goodness. Dick Trench. Dick Trench. Uh, and did you know Dick Trench's middle name was Chenevik's? <laughs> That's what I would have guessed. <laughs> yeah. It's gone to my head. If you said guess Dick Treasure's middle name, I would have said Chenevix. Chenevix. Yeah, probably Chenevix. Or James. <laughs> Chenevix or James. The big two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the ambitious idea was to re-examine the English language from the Anglo-Saxon times onwards. And as it turned out, it took a while to accomplish. Okay. So, they were basically back to like around 1100, something like that. So, they were looking at centuries of words. According to the OED the Oxford English Dictionary uh, website itself, the dictionary was to be based on actual evidence of words in use, taken from printed sources dating from all periods of the language's history. Herbert Coleridge was named as the original editor, and he and Frederick Furnival amassed a group of volunteer readers to scour English literature and extract quotations to illustrate the usage of words. These quotations were sent in on small pieces of paper collectively known as slips. How do they do it? How do they do it? This is this is a group of guys who know words. Yes. And that's how they can come up with something like slips. <laughs> Beautiful. So you see a word and then you go, oh, that's one, and then you write it down. Oh, and that's then, a word. That's a word. And you, so, like, the first person is like, the. Yeah. They send it in and they go, tick it off. And they they come up they come up with the definition of the. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll have a quote. They'll go, we found this uh, that written in 1342 in an essay. And this is the sentence, and this is the essay it was written in, who wow. it was written by, the year. And uh, then they'll sort all the thes they get in and figure out what the earliest one was. And, and then they're sort of referencing the history of the word as well, which I didn't realise the Oxford Dictionary is a little different to other dictionaries where it's not just the definitions, but it's also sort of like a bit of etymological history, if I'm saying that wow. word right. Yeah. I wish there was a, a place I could find out. <laughs> Uh, that, for- that does make the task a lot harder, doesn't yes, it? Yeah, that's like, right. Oh, we also have to trace it back rather than just, this is what it means, I reckon. Yeah. Mm. The? <laughs> that's why Samuel Johnson was able to do it all himself. Yeah. Probably. Even if it took him his whole life, you were saying. I think it's just a long time. Yeah. A long, long time. A life is a long time, Dave. Yeah. It's all relative, I suppose. And that guy looks like he lived a long time. That seems like he, yeah. He, he needed to shit. <laughs> and also- The look the- of that face, that man has got stomach cramps. There's a there's a, a famous biography of him. You uh, get nothing from David. He loves poop chat. <laughs> well, that's why he doesn't like the constipation chat. Yeah, he's like, I'm not interested in it. If he's not pooping, yeah. I don't want to hear about it. Get it out or shut up. <laughs> <laughs> 
If it's not out, it's not in my mind <laughs> or attention. Uh, were you going to say something, David? Doesn't matter. Oh, there's a famous biography of him. It's like often listed as like you know one of the first great biographies. Oh, oh. cool. There you go. I think Dave maybe, uh, and I think everyone listening should put this in the hat, Dave, to do an episode on Samuel Johnson. Yeah, and his from bell the Secret movement. Life of Us. <laughs> In the Secret Life of Us. (laughs) So, four years after the dictionary was proposed, the editor Coleridge died suddenly and unexpectedly. And even though they've done four years of work, believe it or not, the vast majority of the project was still incomplete. What What do you mean? That would have been a real relief for him. This is taking the sweetest relief of all. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) It was honestly, it was so much work. This was really fun at the start. I thought it would take us like three or four weeks. (laughs) (laughs) It was supposed to be a bit of fun. Now it's like, (laughs) fuck. We're we're four years in and we haven't even got to be. (laughs) This is terrible. Um, <laughs> Sweet release of oh, death. Thank you. Thank. He's on his deathbed. His, his last words were, "Thank <laughs> God." And then Furnival said, "We're not up to tea yet." Yeah. <laughs> oh. Can you keep it in the ace? <laughs> uh, Furnival took over the job, but according to Anav Das Sharma, Furnival devoted most of his time to frequenting the red light districts of Victorian England, debating socialism and cycling. The big three. <laughs> big three. <laughs> big three pastimes. You got to get down with the, the real people and find out how they're speaking. Yeah. Yeah. What do they bring into the vernacular? Yeah. So, uh, he hardly did any work. Apparently, he was very enthusiastic, but his work ethic was just not <laughs> up to scratch. So, he he got nearly nothing done. Uh, 22 years after the book was proposed in 1879, things started to pick up uh, a little bit when new editor uh, James Murray was appointed. James yeah. Murray, that's the name of somebody who's going to get shit done. Yeah. They Those think- other guys don't have to work hard. Yeah. Their names are doing all their work yeah, for them. Yeah, exactly. James Murray, he's got to make something of himself because yeah. he is not memorable exactly. otherwise. He's fighting for a personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and apparently, like, he he was a pretty obscure guy at the time. He, he, of course he-, he was. It's James Murray. <laughs> yeah. Who? I've, I've, I've met I've, a million James Murray. I've basically forgotten him. <laughs> <laughs> he was a teacher, I think. Ah, oh, so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Murray, okay. Yeah, whatever. I would say, though, um, while uh, James Murray isn't that impressive, if you throw in his middle names of Augustus Henry, then maybe does that add a little something James to James Augustus Henry Murray. I'm still bored. Yeah. I'm still, I fell asleep at, towards the end of that sentence. Yeah, what, Augustus is really picking up. Yes. And then Henry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Henry. James Henry Murray is no good. Augustus is. That's pretty good. Yeah. But if you shorten it to J-A-H-M, Jarm. That's pretty good. That is f- okay. That's quite charming. Charmed. <laughs> charmed. I'm, I'm charmed. Sure. <laughs> He's charmed me. That's for sure. <laughs> so Murray, your charm, was a bit of a freak, learning around twenty-five different languages throughout his life. He also taught himself botany, geology, and astronomy, and helped found an archaeological society at the age of nineteen. See, that's how much he- you get more time in your day if your name is as boring as James Murray. <laughs> yeah, but you know what he's not doing. Fucking. No, he's, he's, <laughs> he's not yep. fucking. Absolutely he's got not. no friends, no girlfriend or boyfriend, no partner at all. Whoa. He's just learning languages. Yeah, the telescope is his partner. Teaching himself <laughs> botany. Words. Words are my lovers. <laughs> Disgusting. Words like lovers. <laughs> it's one of mine. <laughs> it really turned on charm. <laughs> uh, the same, he's the main guy in the story too. So. Oh, okay, great. Get okay, we've got to get on board with charm then. I love him. But he's a real, he's an overachiever. 
And I think what we are threatened by is that people who have done something with their lives. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's, you're 100% correct. So, just trying to bring them down I'm a like, bit. I'm like, okay, mate, <laughs> right, you got a few too many qualifications <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. making me feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. I did a three-year degree, took me four years, and, I, and I've got nothing to show for it. Yeah, there's that guy. I that, barely know <laughs> one language. Yeah, there's that guy that in America who was, who was a soldier, then became a doctor, then became an astronaut. You're like, come. And I think it was before he was 40. It's like, fuck. That's not fair. Stop. Stop it. Leave something for the rest of Sit us. Sit down and play a video game or something. You know, that's fair. and be a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, he's and we don't have the excuse of exciting names either. No, we've got the most boring. Dave's Dave is maybe. the mo- only Warnicky. Warnicky's yeah. doing the heavy lifting there. Middle yep. name James. Yeah, you don't get me started on you, Matthew James Stewart. So boring. Dolphin Jessica Ann Perkins. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm talking about Johnny Kim, who still is only 39 years old, and he wasn't just uh, in the army. He was, or in the armed forces, he was a, a Navy SEAL as well. <laughs> so, he was a Navy SEAL, naval aviator, physician, and NASA astronaut. Still, and he's 39. Still only 39 now. <laughs> he figured out how to stop aging as well. So, he's been 39 for about 10 years. How do you, how do you, um, how do you get qualified in all of those things before 39? Do you know what I mean? All of those things take time. Do they not? Yeah. I would have thought so. He must be just. Studying concurrently. That's a nightmare. Maybe just doing one online course while he's sitting in a lecture theatre doing an in-real-life course. Oh, I don't like that. That's too much I don't me. like that. And I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm a, he's my hero, Johnny Kim. Johnny Kim, I don't know you, but I don't like you. <laughs> now, Jam, because he's the main character of this report, I'm going to get on board. Yeah, we're on board. I love him. Uh, I was projecting my own insecurities onto him. I think it's amazing that he knows 25. <laughs> I, I can't name 25 languages. <laughs> <laughs> That's real tough. Is he doing like, he does? He knows every single type of sign language. And this is before Duolingo. Yeah. How's oh he doing? How's he? Surely he's not fluent, you know? No. Maybe he's like, I speak French, and then he speaks French to a French person. And they're like, what the fuck is yeah. he saying? Yeah. Français. But like, you would get to 10, and then after that, like you're saying, people don't know that many languages. You could just lie. Yeah. You're going to say, yeah, 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 Swahili. No, I got it. All good. I know a few archaic languages, ones that you haven't heard of. Yeah. <laughs> ones that no one else on the Locked planet still speak. Can I, think, I think the person I know with the most languages knows three, and that is so impressive to me. Mm. And, she, and they and just know the names of three. She just <laughs> the names of three. It's amazing. The she third, can name three languages. The third one you're like, I've never heard of it, but I, but I believe German, you. German, you say. <laughs> what? Wow. No, her third language is English, and she's one of those people that goes, I'm so sorry for my you know, terrible English, and then says the most complex sentences, and you're like, fuck you. Yeah, that was terrible because I couldn't understand it because I'm not <laughs> at that level. too smart for me. So, he's got the job, uh, Jam, in 1879. This is 22 years after the book was proposed. Things are kicking up a notch because that same year- uh, Oxford also got on board and the Oxford University Press agreed to be the publisher. So, at this point, it, was, ah, okay. it wasn't even the Oxford Dictionary ah. until 22 years into its life. God, so they stepped in and said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll publish help. this um, because before that, it was just the Philological Society, a yeah. word I'd never heard of before, but it obviously means something about words. You've been nailing it. Every so time far. you say it, it does sound like you're about to go, for la 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 <laughs> For la 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 logical society. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, yeah, according to Oxford, Murray, apart from everything else, he was a self-taught scholar from the lowlands of Scotland. And, yeah, he'd been into 
language his whole life. Mm-hmm. Loved language. Every, obviously, everyone involved in this has a big beard and loves language. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it, like, I'll, I don't know. I think I'll stop mentioning it, but everyone speaks multiple languages. Um, it's so threatening to me. <laughs> so he got he's he's working in Mill Hill, London, still sort of part time because he's still working as a teacher, uh, and he converts his shed at the back into a building called the Scriptorium. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel like that, Jess? I feel like you could be off him again. <laughs> Scri- Actually, Welcome to Dave. the Scriptorium, James. This is a shed. <laughs> Actually, Dave, move he- the whippersnipper. <laughs> I think you'll find. I fucking love that. <laughs> Scriptorium. Scriptorium. That rules. So he's out there and it's just full of books. The walls are just lined with shelves and pigeonholes with slips of paper, words and everything. Um, eventually, uh, Oxford Publishing is like, we got to take this up a notch. We need you to go full time. And he moved to Oxford, uh, got a new house with a new shed, <laughs> new which he dubbed. The Scriptorium too. <laughs> uh, according to Pip Williams, that's where he and his team of lexicographers, if I'm saying that right, and assistants went every day to collate and to draft the definitions of every word in the English language. It's just, it's funny to think now, like, all the ones that keep updated, that all the work's been done. So you just have to yes. update, mm. which is in itself a huge job. But to start from scratch is- Like, where do you start? Hectic, yeah. Well, they went with A, and I think that's right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and were they the ones that decided what order the alphabet went in? Yes. Wow. Well, I think so it, then just how do you start with A? <laughs> you know? that absolute free-for-all. <laughs> uh, I've been quoting Pip Williams a bit. She wrote a, a book called uh, The Dictionary of Lost Words, which was a historical fiction novel from a couple of years ago, Um but it was set inside the scriptorium. Oh, cool. Yeah. Pip Williams is a great name. Great name. It's like it's bordering on boring, but the Pip saves it. The Pip, yeah, the Pip does so much. Yeah. But if if her full name is Philippa, ah, now Philippa's still pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty good, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Pip Williams is letting her down. Pip is saving the day. I think Williams, because, yeah, because Jess Williams is like, pretty good name, yeah. but forgettable. Yeah. Pip Williams. Imagine Pip Perkins. Pip Perkins. That's, oh, that's insane. That's I feel really like Pip good. Perkins would be an ace fighter pilot. I agree. Mm. Pip Perkins. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything a pilot would say. Pip Perkins. Uh, we're uh, <laughs> just- Ladies uh, and uh, gentlemen, is your Captain Pip Perkins speaking. Uh, <laughs> you messaged us when, from your trip saying you had a couple of pilots with some great names. Oh, yeah. There was one flight. I can't remember what their names were, but it was something like- Kevin and Phil or something. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's like you, two names you don't hear that often anymore and never together. Never together. Never uh, Kevin shall meet a Phil. <laughs> and uh, I hope they thought I was laughing at something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Murray's now on board and he really turbocharged the volunteer reading program as well, which was set up before. Like it was sort of crowdsourced. Yeah, right. Hey, send in send in your words. Got any words? Do you get a prize? No prize. It's just for the for the good of the dictionary. According to Anna Kelsey Sugg, uh, Murray enlisted the help of thousands of ordinary people. He sent a call out to the public in pamphlets, distributed far and wide, and republished in certain journals, asking people to find quotations from magazines, journals, books, or newspapers containing words he and his colleagues were looking for. 
Uh, people from all around the world began mailing tiny little slips in, which is their, what they called them. Right. Uh, which were about the size of a postcard, and they contained references to words the dictionary team sought. Cordner Mary Olson of Bowman Rare Books, besides these submissions, the OED required the work of many others. Sorters, sub-editors, assistant editors, editors, compositors, printers, proofreaders, professional authorities, delegates, and Oxford deans. These dastardly deans. <laughs> uh, the poets Tennyson and Browning were consulted about the meaning of the words that appeared in their poems. <laughs> All right, I love your poetry. What's this word mean? <laughs> yeah. I think it's great, and I know what it means. <laughs> what do you think it means? But what? It, just in case, yeah, because some of the other people uh, around the scriptorium don't seem to get it, and I just want to confirm. You tell me, though. Let's say it together. <laughs> it means a good day. day. Yeah, that's what I think. Good day. That's, yep. what, that's what I said. <laughs> I'm panicking up here. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien was an assistant lexicographer for one year as well. Lexicographer. Am I saying that right? I don't know. So, I assume so. Even uh, Murray's kids helped him through the years. That's right. I know, Jess, you said he was a man that was alone. There's no way he has kids and has taught just, himself 25 languages and bought time. With his second wife. Oh, my gosh. His first wife sadly passed away. With his second wife, he had 11 children. Get <laughs> absolutely <laughs> fucked. You know what? No, I am turning on Jam. I hate him. How are you fitting so much in to a life? How but dare I think, you? I think the answer is he probably didn't do much with the children. <laughs> No, no, what he did was he put them to work. So, he paid them pocket money to sort the slips into alphabetical order. Ah, okay. Well, he didn't have um, children. He had colleagues. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I like to view my children as housemates. <laughs> Eleven children. That's too many. I wonder if he knew what was causing it. <laughs> Fuck. I hate this. I hate him. <laughs> Too much. You know what I did the other day? I lost about six hours of the day just playing a little video game where I was farming and doing magic in a little town. Farming and, and magic? Yeah, it's a beautiful oh, game. okay. Here we go. Farming and magic. <laughs> yeah, okay. We get it. You're a big- Those you're are a my high hobbies. Ro- you're a high roller. Those are my hobbies. I mean, I one of those would be impressive. I've taught myself farming and magic. <laughs> See, Jam? It's easy. Uh, according to Kelsey Sugg. The team at the scriptorium would sort the slips chronologically to determine the history of the word from the oldest example of its use uh, right up to the most up to date. The lexicographer's job was to go through these textual examples of words, fashion meanings and show how a word might have changed throughout history. That's what would be put in as an entry in the Oxford English Dictionary, Pip Williams says. Pip Williams says. Wow. <laughs> Pip Williams, fighter pilot. And this is this is where the Oxford uh, differentiates itself from Australia's Macquarie Dictionary, for example, or the Collins Dictionary. According to Williams, those dictionaries give us modern up-to-date meanings of a word, but they don't give us the history of the word. Whereas the Oxford English Dictionary is a historical text, so it gives you the history of the word. It gives you the earliest known use of the word in text, which is really important, according to Williams. Takes you from maybe the 1530s all the way up to the current day. I also read that it takes you back even further than that. That is that is pretty amazing. But also, you got the internet now for that, <laughs> you, know? you know? Just give me one of those cute little dictionaries. Yeah, yeah. I'll flick through that. You know uh, a good site on the internet? What was that? O- Oxford English Dictionary. Ah. Yeah. Um, .com. <laughs> OED.com. Uh Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> uh, for instance, 
If you looked up the word pants in the Collins Dictionary, yes. it will tell you the British definition is pants are a piece of underwear which have two holes to put your legs through and elastic around the top to hold them up around your waist or hips. Okay, so that's where you get the Collins Dictionary. Sure. Uh, it would also have the proper um, meaning of pants being, you know, what, trousers. Trousers, yeah. I, know, I don't know why the English... Have it wrong. It's their language. How did I get it so wrong? <laughs> uh, but according to Anna Kelsey Sugg, if you looked up pants in a modern Oxford dictionary, you'd also learn that in the 1800s, the words was considered a vulgar abbreviation of pantaloons. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you get that history. Yeah. Which is fun. Couldn't have figured that out myself. I love that it was vulgar. Vulgar. Oh. How dare you. How dare you? How dare you? I guess we're actually kind of the only ones who, not the only ones, but like what Americans would say like panties mm. and pants in the UK is underwear, but we'd call them undies. Yeah, that is, we are children. We are children. <laughs> undies because they're underwear. Do we? Yeah. But I mean, I think that's what, you do you call them undies, things you wear? Yeah. Huh. I think I call them jocks. jocks. Yeah. Well, jocks are male. Oh. I don't wear jocks. But undies, I think, is that's a new that's like a gender neutral term, isn't yes. it? Yes. Wow. Huh, how about that? that make you think? Dave, you've lost it. You're lost yeah, in thought. I'm lost in thought. <laughs> what do you call them? You got your drawer at your house where your drawers where your underwear. Some goes. country calls them drawers, drawers. Drop drop drawer. Um Yeah. Undies, underwear, boxes. Yep. Boxer briefs. Boxer briefs. Those are two different things. Tighty whiteies. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Tidy. My G-bang. Okay. Tidy white is, is, like, that's an American thing, right? Yeah. That's a style of undies yeah. in America. <laughs> yeah. And I've all the tidy whiteies I've seen on the big screen and the little screen are the floppiest they're underwear not, I've ever seen. They're not tidy. They're not tidy at all. They're all so f- saggy and floppy. Mm. I just think, like, words have meanings. Yeah. Let's stick to them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think we should do what they did back when you started the story. Throw it all out. Start again. Start yeah. again. Yeah. yeah, you reckon we'd start again start again? Start again. It's been, what, 150 years since they started? Throw it out. So, I think- Start again. Start fresh. Let's go to the Philological Society yeah. and say, this Oxford Dictionary is crap. Yeah. Is, nah. It's not up to it. Throw it out. Throw it out. It makes no sense. We're going again. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. Let's start at our own scriptorium. In a shed? In a shed. <laughs> Have either of you got a shed? No. no. Oh, yeah, I do. I, got, I mean, it's, a, it's not as big as this one. It is a literal, you know, cupboard. Okay. But that, that'll do. It's cosy. <laughs> yeah. Get three of us in there with our- Move, our, move the whippersnipper. Yeah. Let's get to work. Um, so, basically, with the words in the Oxford Dictionary, you get the historical context uh, and a bit of the evolution of the words. It's so funny I had no idea about any of this. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that that's what- Made it different from the Cambridge Dictionary or the Macquarie, like you're saying. Yeah, huh. I don't know why I didn't. I don't know about the Cambridge Dictionary. I know I wouldn't even use that as you know a napkin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about toilet paper? Would you use it as toilet paper? Well, a gentleman never shits. Oh, of course. <laughs> so I would have no need to. <laughs> you know, sometimes they have the smaller dictionaries. And they call it the concise dictionary. Yeah. As a child in primary school, I thought that was pronounced concise. Oh. I thought it was the concise dictionary. I was like, oh, I guess that means small. The Conkice. <laughs> Fucking idiot. You are an idiot. You I, were and are. I don't know. I think that's fair enough. 
I'm certainly not going to sit in my glass house and <laughs> make fun of you for mispronouncing a word. I can, because I say everything perfectly all the <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, you're infallible. <laughs> That's right. According uh, to the Britannica, the aim of the dictionary is to present in alphabetical series the words that have formed the English vocabulary from the time of the earliest records down to the present day with all the relevant facts concerning their form, sense history, and etymology. That same, that's all pretty much uh, common sense stuff to me. Um, so, anyway, when Murray took on the project, he estimated it would take about 10 years for him to complete it. Wow. And it had already been going for 20. 22, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there was a bit of faff in that. There was that guy, like, cycling. Yeah, the <laughs> red talking light about district. socialism in yeah. the red light district. But this guy sounds like he gets stuff done. So, if a guy that gets stuff done thinks it's going to take 10 years, I back that. Yeah. Well, you know, he's probably being conservative, probably get it in time. Yeah, done Five. It. Five, yeah. Eight yeah. max. Mm. But he's giving himself 10 in case he pops out a few more children. Yes. He's not yeah. sure where they keep coming from, but. <laughs> <laughs> so. He, he, anyway, he's like 10 years. Obviously, he knows it's a big task. Uh, and he's thinking it'll probably end up being four volumes, each of around 1,600 pages. So, after five years- wow, That's so many. After five years, he would have expected to be, you know, have two of the volumes done and, and be somewhere up around M, I guess. Um, but he was a little bit off. After five years, they had completed all the way from A up till- Ant. How many words do they have? All right, let's just do a quick stock take. Um, all right, we've got seven words. That's pretty good. That's more than a word a year. <laughs> it's a mail system back then, you know. Slips took a while to get there. <laughs> so I think I guess they were like We better get Put something out At this point <laughs> You can't put up From A to end No that you is can, what they did You can't <laughs> You can't <laughs> You can the dictionary It's got 15 pages <laughs> And it purports to be like Covering every word From A to end <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what they did on the 1st of February, 1884. <laughs> they published the first uh, fascicle. And I had to look this up. Uh, luckily, there was a website I found called oed.com. And fascicle means a part of a work published by installments. And the earliest known use of the noun fascicle is from 1622 in the writing of a soldier named Francis Markham. Right. See, that's the kind of stuff you get. Yeah, but yeah. you wouldn't know that if you bought from A to Ant. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> They're about 200 years away from that. So, it was, from A to Ant was 352 pages and it sold 4,000 copies. Okay, that's pretty good. For the equivalent of about 70 bucks in today's money. Bought a book for 70 bucks, which gives you the meanings of the words from A to Ant. <laughs> Um, Is that still available? I'd love to buy a copy from It from, would be worth so much money the now. The from A to Ant. <laughs> Um, oh, it's so funny. But, yeah, it was obviously that's five years, so it's proving to be a mammoth exercise. Pip Williams said it was akin to mapping the human genome. That's how big of an enterprise it was. Um, 
If you did it all. Yeah, if you but did the whole genome. They've, like, set up the the microscope at this stage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, like, okay, I think- So, the heads at the top. <laughs> we'll start there. And they got down to hair. <laughs> <laughs> haven't, haven't quite made to scalp yet. Yeah. Uh, according to Kelsey Sugg, Murray wanted a dictionary that documented all words, including the colloquial and informal. Uh, there would be these perennial arguments about which words were worthy of being in the dictionary and which weren't, Pip Williams said. But the delegates of Oxford University Press, who were funding the project, were keen for a more efficient approach. They're starting to be like, come on, we got to hurry this thing along a bit. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> they were constantly putting pressure on Murray to curtail the number of words that were in the dictionary. They were saying some words are not as important as others. Uh, if a word wasn't written down, it never had a chance of being in the dictionary, Pitt Williams explains. Which is, it's funny to think about. And I, I until reading uh, Pitt Williams talk about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. How do you, how would you get them otherwise? But it means all these words, like back then, everyone's not writing their own blogs and stuff like we all do now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these days, you know, you just go through, go through a blog, pick up a word. But back then, you're right. They're not doing blogging. Yeah, they're not doing they're blogging as much. Like, so more like into vlogs. Us modern types do. Yes. We're all blogging away. Yeah. But the, so the, there'd be whole industries which would have specific terms. That they use orally, yeah, they just never get written down because uh, even back then, you know, people don't read and write as much as they do mm. now as well. So there's all these different areas of life. Uh, Williams talks about, you know, for instance, the birthing room or the laundry or the scullery or the coal mine. All these areas, there'd be specific words to those industries that were just never recorded. Right, but once you write them down in the dictionary, they're written down. So is that enough? Yes, but. They're not getting into the dictionary Damn if they haven't it. already been written down. Damn it. it! It is interesting. So, that's what Williams is like. We never question dictionaries. If you want to solve a Scrabble dispute, you go to the dictionary and no one will argue about the validity of the dictionary's meaning of a word. And all of a sudden, I thought, well, hang on a minute. You can argue it because the original source is biased. Which is really um, an interesting point because mm. it, it's this small group of, of guys who are putting it together. Yeah. From a, they're all coming from the same. They're all just, you know, word nerds. Yeah. Um, so that they would have no idea about the word for. They've um, never been in a birthing room. Yeah, like they or a laundry. That's why we still don't know the word for, you know, the bit inside a, a mum. We don't know it. We just don't know. No. And we will never know. No, we'll never know because no one will write it down. <laughs> I, for one, don't want to know. No. <laughs> That's where I side with Murray. <laughs> oh, no, actually, Murray wanted all words to be written down. Yeah. It was the, the people at Oxford are like, come on. <laughs> come on, let's uh, hurry it up. I just sort of got a bit lost for a second there in thought, thinking about, like, if I was going to do a dictionary now, and I would start by looking at the dictionary. So I can understand <laughs> it is quite a big task. It's a big task. And honestly, if you I know we've been teasing them for a bit here, but it is pretty huge, actually. Pretty, but if you said to me, all right, think of a word starting with A, I, there's a big possibility I would have said and. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I would have started with yeah. that. <laughs> That's like, all right, so we got ant. Because right. you learn all your words from the A to Z of animals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ant, then we'll move on to, obviously, uh, beavers. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? Well, now Two we're versions. cooking. Now we're cooking. C, cat. Yeah, cat, D-dog, E. Elephant. Elephant. Oh, I had eel. I had elf, which (laughs) 
didn't quite fit the didn't quite fit the scope, did it? <laughs> so even with fewer words than Murray wanted, the OED says it was still clear that a much more comprehensive work was being produced than had been imagined by the Philological Society. Philological <laughs> Society almost 30 years early, earlier. So, you know, we're three decades in now. In fact, dictionary work relied on so much correspondence that a post box was installed right outside Murray's Oxford home, where it still stands today. That's awesome. Yeah. Got his own post box. That's like- That's the dream. Is there any higher honour than that? Yeah. Do you reckon he would have gotten mad if other neighbours were putting post in there? Hey. Uh, Whoa. Hey. Whoa. Hey. Get that, out of that better be philological. <laughs> That's not philological, yeah. Ian. Fuck off. Are you mailing something to me? If not, I mean, if you are, you could just hand deliver. Yeah. That'd be much easier. But if, Save if the not, postage. Throw it away. I I feel quite lucky that there is a, a post box like just out the front of my apartment building. Oh, right, I wouldn't even know where my local is. There I you go. I feel really Stop smug about that. Doxing yourself, Jess. Sorry. <laughs> Don't come and find me. <laughs> Don't. You know, now post, I'd be sus on every posty. I already am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust him. <laughs> oh, you can't gain access, can you? Okay. Can't open a gate? Fuck it out. So he started realising there was more work than uh, he was initially hoping, but he was still like, I want to do it alone. But Oxford are like, you need help. And they started pushing for uh, other people to get involved Uh he, he started working with this guy called Henry Bradley. How do we feel about Henry Bradley in terms of boring name? Pretty dull, right? It's a bit dull. I mean, it's more interesting than Matt Stewart. Yes, <laughs> it definitely is. But, you know- I'm- I was about to say, yeah, because Henry Bradley is two first names. <laughs> and then I realised. <laughs> but it's weird to have a Henry Bradley. I agree. Don't you think? Yeah. It's, so it's messy. Murray starts corresponding with him. And by 1886, Oxford University Press insisted that Bradley be brought in to help with the letter B. <laughs> His name's Bradley. Yeah. He's qualified. <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> He's lived with B his whole life. <laughs> uh, and in 1887, he was promoted to co-editor. Oh, he was promoted to C. C, yeah, that's what I thought. He was, in a way, co-editor. <laughs> yeah. Right, but, co-editor. So, there's two now in the show. Yes. And Murray's, Murray's not loving it. He's working in a separate location, but- um, yeah, Murray's like, eh, I can do this myself. I'll just work faster and I'll get faster. I'm just starting to get used to it now. I'm getting into a groove. <laughs> After how long? Uh, a long time. A long time. Uh, over the following years, Bradley was also given the responsibility for the letters E to G, L to M, S to SH, ST and W. Big responsibilities. Huge. I think you'll agree. Huge. They're some of the big ones. S to SH. Mm-hmm. So, S is its own thing. S to S-A- Well, S is split up. Obviously, there must be quite a few S's. Yeah, interesting. Because he also, he didn't get uh, S-H. What's after H? L-M-H-I. He didn't get I. S-I. And what's before T? S. So, he- Somebody else in the middle. They took off S-I to S-S. Right. And then there's also like E to G. And then what was after that? L to M. He's got quite a few. W. Yeah. W. Good one. In 1897, the year that the VFL was founded, coincidentally. That's actually not a coincidence at all. It's just a... Anyway, in 1897, a man named William Craigie started working on the dictionary. In 1901, Craigie was also promoted to co-editor. Okay. So, that's a triumvirate all of a sudden. A word I'd have to look up in the dictionary. 
and I'm possibly not using correctly. <laughs> Please don't look it up. Uh, so now, yeah, so we've got Craigie, Murray, and Bradley. I'm afraid oh. this project was just too darn large. So we've got three editors, but the OED editor's chair still had a little space left to cram on one more philological ass. <laughs> and personally, I think that ass belonged to the best named editor of the lot. Oh. Charles Talbot Onions. <laughs> Spelt like the- Spelled like onions. That's great. Charlie- Talbot Onions. Charlie Onions. Charlie Onions. <laughs> I says Charlie Onions. You know, with a dictionary. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Talbot. Talbot Charles Onions. Talbot Onions. That rules. So good. Charlie so, Onions. Charlie Onions. So, Charlie Onions is the fourth. He's the fourth. Co-editor. Yeah. Wow. Murray must be losing yeah, his Murray's mind. Yeah, Murray's pissed, right? Yeah, all right, fine. I'll have one. <laughs> no, okay. Two, co- <laughs> that's it. Four, okay, Onion. Fuck. Yeah. He's he's losing he's losing his mind. <laughs> okay, he's like he's surely in- this is where the insanity comes yeah. in. <laughs> is Murray still in? A <laughs> Murray's still in. Oh, I'm up to Ant Eater. <laughs> <laughs> so Onion started working on the project in 1895. According to the OED, from 1906 to 1913, he worked on the dictionary under Henry Bradley and William Craigie, preparing. Portions of M, N, R, and S. And in 1914. It's been gone forever already. Yeah, that's right. It's almost 20 years in before he was promoted to co editor and was responsible in that capacity for the sections S, U to S, Z. Jeez, there mustn't have been heaps in there. Uh, w, H to working and X, Y, and Z. So there. He's, like, whatever, it, have the scraps. Well, last X, man in is getting scraps yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Xylophone, yoga. <laughs> Done. Zebra. I'm done. Next. What else we got? What's next? I'll do numbers now. <laughs> uh, so the editors worked away on different sections each, and uh, they all had their own teams of assistants. Apparently, Tolkien later gave a nod to the four editors in one of his stories. Uh, there was a part where he said, when a, a word needed defining, we'd ask the four wise clerks of Oxenford. Which just makes me think, did he, I mean, did he actually do anything? Did he have an imagination? Is that a typo? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I mentioned these volunteers from around the world sending in the slips which the dictionary was built on. And I'll tell you more about some of them after this quick break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. (laughs) Cha-ching! 
You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I use to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So, yes, this ragtag band of word nerds and ne'er-do-wells from around the world all volunteering for the greater good of the OED. Uh, I'll try to look up other words for greater good and um, <laughs> really struggle to find some. No synonyms. Yeah, is this years before the thesaurus? Are they like, <laughs> oh, my God. That would like, yeah. freak them out, the, the idea of that. you got to run before you can walk. break their brain. Yeah. They'd be like, I can't. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm still working from W to working. (laughs) I'm not even up to working yet. (laughs) I'm working my way towards working. (laughs) Sarah Ogilvie writes about many of these volunteers in her book, The Dictionary People, the unsung heroes who created the Oxford English Dictionary. I think we're throwing heroes around here much, aren't we? A little bit of mayo on that one. <laughs> no, they're, they're unsung. We got to be singing yeah. about these heroes. These heroes. <laughs> these heroes. Okay. What, what, what God she- bless those brave <laughs> boys and girls. <laughs> We've just ended World War One in the story. <laughs> the real heroes. Yeah. Those brave, brave boys. But it's amazing how many books, both fictional and non-fictional, are about the Oxford Dictionary and how it was written. Um, people are obsessed by it. Well, as we know, nearly 40% of voters. Yeah, people are yeah. so keen on this one. According to Ken Haley, writing for the Sydney Morning Herald, Ogilvy's work stems from a serendipitous find, a discarded volume that turned out to contain Murray's address books, identifying 3,000 contributors who provided the building blocks of the masterwork. So it sounds like she just somehow stumbled upon this book that had his little black book inside with all the volunteers and notes against them and stuff. Um, is it, and like years later? Yeah, th- which, yeah, this is like uh, uh, Ogilvy's, you know, I think this book was written quite recently. Yeah, okay, cool. That is a, a fascinating bit of history to have. Yeah, amazing. And she's an Aussie. I don't really know how she came across it. I think it might have even been published this year. Oh, incredible. Yeah, so it's a, it's quite a recent but is she going around uh, door-to-door seeing if they're still there? Yeah, yeah. Hey, you remember when you submitted some uh, West of the Dictionary about 100 years ago? <laughs> what were they? <laughs> she just got really lucky finding this book. She has no right. Yeah. She has no right to be writing her book, but she's like, I got the info. I got the book. So- I got it, so I'm going to write it. <laughs> In the book, Ogilvy has a chapter called Hopeless Contributors which lists a bunch of volunteers who weren't up to snuff, according to the OED's various editors. So, she's got these notes. Wow. Um, and they were all hopeless for different reasons. Uh, hopeless is a bit bit full on, isn't it? Mm. Bit unfair. Bit unfair. Well, you don't know. This is, yeah, I haven't what, even told you. What are they just sending in letters and it just, it just says, <laughs> butter. Yeah. I cook with this. Yeah. <laughs> butter. Written in crayon. Yeah. <laughs> 
Written butter. In- I like it. <laughs> I like it. I've written this one in butter. <laughs> I think you'll find it's delicious. <laughs> Have a lick. <laughs> All right, Uru. Here's what butter means to me. Yum. <laughs> one word. Yum. <laughs> now I'll define yum for you. <laughs> And they're like, hopeless. Oh, my God. So according to Haley, they were hopeless for different reasons. Some refused to send in their citation slips. That's pretty hopeless. They refused. <laughs> I've got some great words. I will not send them in. <laughs> These can, are mine now. You can come collect them, yeah. but I will not be posting them. They're really good. They don't trust posties. Yeah. And I get that. Others produced slipshod work. A few to whom Murray had sent specially selected volumes promised much but produced nothing. Uh, for instance, next to the name T.W. Tonkin of Barnes, Murray wrote, quote, Imposter stole the book. <laughs> Imposter. Imposter. He's- <laughs> I don't think Murray will put it in much more full-on terms. No, yeah, that's, that's right. Full- you know you've peed him right off. Yeah, T.W. Tonkin. Hayley writes that a more diligent sleuth was Eleanor Marx, Carl's daughter. Carl Marx's daughter. <laughs> I'm glad you to clarify. Daughter of Carl. You know Carl? <laughs> From down the shop. From down the shop. Yeah, you went to school with your dad. Carl! Carl. Come on! Come on! We used to go to Carl's house. He's like, from the pool. Yeah, Carl's, Carl. pool. Carl's pool was huge. Oh, God, all the kids love Carl's pool. <laughs> How do you not know Carl? <laughs> One of uh, uh, Carl's daughter, Eleanor's words that got in was ruffle. <laughs> and uh, she started a Madame Bovary uh Citation, cited in citation, which was pretty clumsy, but no, it was I had nowhere to go. I couldn't think of another what word. What could for you citation. do? What could you possibly do? I was do? stuck. <laughs> That's um, that I mean, it would feel good if you got one. Oh, yeah, that's a good feel. I can imagine, yeah, if you're like ruffle, got in, got it. That's mine. I'm in the dictionary, baby. Uh, according to Haley, more than 10% of dictionary people were clergymen. For some reason, he suggested it's because maybe they had a bit more time on their hands. Ah, uh, wow, that's offensive. But they're big, maybe just big readers. Yeah, I mean, they got the, the good book there yeah. at all times. Yeah, a lot of pages. All lot of, of pages. them that they're sending in is just that one was from Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said that one. <laughs> I credit Jesus. I credit Jesus with everything. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Thank- My lunch, Jesus. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Losing our minds a little bit. I think you're inventing these characters. <laughs> no, going on about butter and Carl's pool. And now we're priests thinking Jesus. What's going on? They're all very believable 3D characters. <laughs> 3D characters. Thanks, Jesus. One of the clergymen was a vegetarian vicar named John Mayer. And uh, he. Included word, other words for vegetarian, including fruititarian and nutarian. Okay. Those ones didn't quite catch on, but I think they got in there. Uh, three of the four most prolific contributors. I'm saying that weird, aren't I? No. Great. No, it sounded like music to my ears. That's beautiful. Contributors. Yeah. yeah okay. Love it. That's well, perfection. Four, three of the four most prolific contributors were asylum inmates, and the fourth most prolific ran an asylum, uh, which made Ogilvy ask- was it their madness that drove them to do so much dictionary work? Or was it the dictionary work that drove them mad? Oh, that's good. good. No, they're already in the asylum. Yeah. Right. So, it, it probably is that- And is it the same the same <laughs> asylum? Sarah, sorry. Sarah, sorry. Listening. Sorry, I mean- 
personally uh, love your work. Love your work, but that's ridiculous. Should say this here as well, if you are listening this far in. We're, just, we're a silly podcast. We mean no harm. We're not making fun of- I think she heard the butter stuff and was like, <laughs> I'm not taking these people too seriously. But she stuck with us. But, and that's what oh, I love yum. about Sarah. Like, come on. <laughs> Nobody's like, you know, crediting us in their podcast. You know what I mean? Nobody's like- No well, higher honour though. I'm using, no honor. I'm using these dumb c- <laughs> the source. I remember just yesterday. Do you remember an episode of ours is in the National Film and Sound Archive? Do you remember that? Yeah. They wrote to us and asked us. Run by the Australian it. government. I don't remember. The Video that. Games Crash episode is forever really? part of the National Film and Sound Why? Archive. Why that one? I can't. Maybe there's, there wasn't much media on that event. There wasn't even an Australian. No, but they wrote to us and asked, and then I think we gave them like a, you know, we're like, sure. No money involved or anything. They just put it in there. It should have been a, a bit of a pr- quid, quid pro quo. You know what I mean? We should have gotten one submarine for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, and they would probably make that deal because the Australian government's never actually- <laughs> They're always in the future, the submarines, aren't yes, they? Yes, yes. They've promised so many submarines in so many years. Yeah. It's always We're almost, always about to get some great submarines. So, should I not have asked for a submarine? You know what we need- Australia, what we need as a country is to spend more money than any other thing on future, future submarines. Subs. Future, yeah. subs. Yeah. future subs. I agree. You really, I mean, if you get, if you buy subs now, they're already out of date. Yeah. But if you buy future subs, yeah, great. they're never out of date. You never even have them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can't be obsolete because you don't have one. We're always about to get the most up-to-date submarine. Yeah. I do, I do remember we got the one time we made the mistake of actually getting them and by the time we got them, they were out of date. Yeah. And mm. I don't think they ever quite worked, but I vaguely remember the Collins-class submarines, probably made by the dictionary people. <laughs> Should have got Oxford to do it, obviously. Yeah, Oxford subs, they're the good ones. Yeah, yeah and it would take a, a really short time, <laughs> yeah. for sure. I think they make similar estimations <laughs> yeah. on, on budget and Five time. Five years. Yeah. Easy. Get eight eight. <laughs> I'm fascinated by the people in the asylum. That the three people that are that are patients, patients yeah. in the asylum, and then also someone who's at the facility. Are they all there egging each other on? Like it's like a group no, activity. No, so, it's just a coincidence. Incredible. What? Yeah, really interesting. I'm going to talk about one of them in particular, uh, and his name was William Minor. By the way, I should also say, Jess and Dave, uh, this guy. William Minor, middle name. What do you? How do you see this? Chester. Ooh, William Chester. William Chester Minor. Oh, William C- William C Minor is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. W C Minor. Yeah. Can you give me a C Minor? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, be- before we talk more about him, um, Tim Randall from Brisbane and Alex Buxell from St Louis or St Louis. Can I cannot get it in my head? Because oh, I think there's is. a St Louis and a St Louis. Oh, okay. That'd be why. I think. And you ticked them both off. Well done. <laughs> so, they also, they suggested I do a, or we do a, an episode on William Chester Minor in particular. <laughs> so, let me tell you about him. When Tyler, one of the topic suggestors, suggested this topic, he specifically wanted us to focus on this guy, Minor, and he linked to an article by Debbie Fuchs on her website, ForgottenNewsmakers.com, which has a, a bunch of great essays worth a look. Um and, yeah, so when uh, I said this topic was put down as a tale of murder and insanity, that was all about this guy, William Minor. Oh. But he was he was super prolific. I think he ends up being, of all the volunteers, the second most, have the second most entries. Wow. Included. 
Um, so he was born in 1834 to American missionaries, but he lived in what is now Sri Lanka. Um, so he, I think he didn't get to America till he was a teenager. Uh, but he also, like everyone else involved in this, had a huge beard and knew a lot of languages. Uh, and he eventually became a doctor uh, graduating from Yale Medical School in 1863. This was in the middle of the American Civil War. So after graduating, he joined the Union as a surgeon. But according to Fulks, he didn't like the isolation of the hospital and requested to be sent to battle. Eventually, he got his wish and was sent to Northern Virginia, where he first encountered the filth of a field hospital and excruciating pain of soldiers suffering from gangrene. Wow. His friends described him as a sensitive man who loved to paint, play the flute, and read books. And the battlefield was not an easy place for a man with such artistic sensibilities. Oh, you can't hear the flute over the gunshots. Mm. Keep it down. <laughs> See? A beautiful instrument. <laughs> See, with all that gunshots, you're making me make it sound like a different instrument. Uh, while in the army, Miner was tasked with the grisly job of branding an Irish soldier with a D on his face using a hot iron. It was meant as a deterrent against deserting. Apparently, this was a this was a big thing. They do either do it on their on their leg, I think, or on their face. And was he like, "This is a civil war in America. I'm Irish. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with. I have this. a dog in this fight." Yeah. This is a mistake. Oh, look, this is a Kentucky tour. I wandered off. I'm so sorry. If I could just find my people, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. I thought this was an interactive theatre experience, but yeah. I guess it is. Yeah, yeah, honestly, it's a bit much. Yeah, branding someone on the face is awful. And apparently, yeah, that freaked him out, and he had these fears that uh, the soldier was going to come and get, you know, come for revenge and stuff. And he got pretty paranoid about that. Journalist Simon Winchester, who's an, another guy who's written a book about the Oxford Dictionary, uh, suggests that such tasks and the full-on conditions of the war generally may have played a part in Miner developing a case of severe dementia and paranoia. Uh, Fuchs continues, Miner was later transferred to a hospital in Alexandria where he distinguished himself and received a promotion to assistant surgeon in the US Army. He moved to Governor's Island, New York, where he treated cholera patients. So he was... Obviously, pretty impressive as a surgeon, and he worked his uh, way right up towards the top. But it was here that he began to exhibit signs of paranoia and promiscuous behaviour, which, as a he grew up in a super religious family, parents were missionaries, so he was very conflicted by, like, all of a sudden having sexual desires. And right, whatnot. from missionary to missionary, my God. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> just is, looks disgusting. Is that <laughs> is that where that comes from? I don't, well, I don't know. Yeah, you wouldn't know. Look it up in the Oxford English Dictionary. Okay. We'll see if this thing works. <laughs> okay, missionary. Let's see what we got here. A person sent on or engaged in a religious mission abroad mm-hmm. uh, or... To act as a missionary, do missionary work. Okay. <laughs> so they don't have missionary. Should in we there. submit it and get a get our name in there? Should we? Okay, but now look up doggy style. Second <laughs> 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 
found an, another article because the Oxford Online Dictionary does have a bit of a paywall as well. So, <laughs> classic. <laughs> well, I mean, they spent two centuries <laughs> on it. You, you can re- you can get to a bit of stuff, but. Um, Columbia University writes, in the missionary position, the woman lies on her back. Okay, well, I don't need to know. (laughs) Though Christian missionaries didn't invent this position, uh, they were inspiration for the name. They were the inspiration for the name. Right, okay. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Apparently, uh, evidence of of the position's existence in art uh, predates the Christian era. Wow. Isn't that, like, obviously, that feels like <laughs> that would have been one of the first ones, I reckon. <laughs> Turns out people have been having sex for a while. A little while. That's interesting. Uh, anyway, Can you Google when was sex invented? <laughs> <laughs> um, back to Fuchs. So, so he's now uh, worked his way up in the army. He's sort of 2IC as a surgeon. So, yeah, he's, he's starting to show these signs of promiscuous behaviour. He started carrying a cult. 38 and spending the nights with sex workers around this time he contracted a venereal disease and on one occasion he made a failed attempt to cure himself by injecting white wine into his urethra oh <laughs> that was my impression <laughs> but yeah like i'm like that seems pretty uh, like wild you can't just have a stab at that and i'm like oh no you He's studied medicine at yale yeah that's right did it work no. Uh-huh. White wine did not solve the venereal infection. White wine spritzer. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. The bubbles do it. Um, in 1868, he was diagnosed as delusional and was willingly admitted to the Government Hospital for the Insane in Washington, D.C., officially retiring from the U.S. Army. According to Arnav Das Sharma, after being released, Minor immigrated to London looking for a better climate to help his dementia. I don't know if, don't oh. know if London's ever been called a better climate <laughs> What before. are you doing? Uh, but an incident there would seal his fate. One of the notorious crime-infested areas in Victorian London was a place called Lambeth Marsh, and this is where he went to live. And here, Minor, where he would frequent the red light districts, was haunted by severe paranoia. He believed people were breaking into his home and this culminated one day in minor shooting and killing a man oh. named George Merritt on the 17th of February, 1872. Minor believed Merritt to be a thief, but he was just a man on his way to work. Shit. He was on his way to, just a working class guy working at a, on his way to work in a warehouse. Oh, no, that's not that's not good. No, um, he was arrested and later confessed it was a case of mistaken identity. Wow. Uh, Fuchs continues, during the trial, the full scope of Miner's mental illness came out and he was committed to the asylum for the criminally insane in Broadmoor. So basically found not guilty on the basis of um, insanity. insanity. Yeah. Miner's life at Broadmoor was very comfortable though. His status as a surgeon was respected and he was given two adjacent rooms, one for sleeping and one for him to paint, play the flute and read. Because, man, you wouldn't want to be his next one over, would you? Oh, my. Keep it down in there. (laughs) I love the flute. It's a beautiful instrument. Such a lovely instrument. Because of his pension from the US Army, Miner was allowed to buy steak, wine, brandy, newspapers and books for his collection. He even hired other inmates to perform chores for him. It sounds like he was living like a king he, in yeah, there. Yeah, he, he actually was loving sounds it. like a pretty great life. 
Um, Aside from the fact he murdered someone. And also he's still traumatized at night, mm. especially. He he has these delusions and visions. and Yeah, yeah awful. So Minor felt very remorseful for his crime and he sought permission to pay his victim's widow restitution, uh, which was accepted. And and she appreciated it. She was now a single mother, so okay. Um, he sort of helped uh, pay, like a, he helped you know pay his yep. her children's way. Wow! And it even led to her them kind of striking up a friendship. Almost, she would visit regularly, um, delivering books to him wow. that he bought, which is quite strange. And in one of these books, Minor found a pamphlet written by editor James Murray, Jam asking for volunteers to help create the first Oxford English Dictionary. So, this is why it's such a- this story, this is- he's one of the key figures, key volunteers. Um, if he didn't murder- Yeah. He wouldn't have ended up here. It's just like this really weird series of events mm. that led to him getting this perfect perfect job for him. So, is murder good? Is that what we're thinking? I think so. I think so, yes. No. No. I will say- no, he's saying, no, I don't think so. I know it is good, yes. <laughs> I don't think I know. Uh, as Fulks writes, the doctor set about this task with voracious energy, meticulously copying words and quotations from volumes of books. He started working in tandem with the editor in Oxford, Jam, uh, writing to him to find out which letter he was working on and then searching through his papers to send him words starting with that letter. Minor and Murray corresponded regularly, say even weekly, and the first time Murray visited Minor at Broadmoor, years later, he was shocked to discover that Minor was an inmate and not a staff doctor. <laughs> so he'd been talking to this guy. He's a doctor at an asylum. Yeah. Assuming he was, you know, working, not yeah. living there. Uh, and the editor and the volunteer met together many times over the years and developed a friendship based on a mutual love of reading and words. Wow. Two big, bushy-bearded men. According to Arnav Das Sharma, Murray noted that without Minor's contribution, the OED, Oxford English Dictionary, would have had over four centuries of word origins missing from its roster. Many words that Minor rescued came from his eccentric reading choices, uh, including essays about political philosophy, but all sorts of different things. Uh, One example, according to William DeLong, writing for all that's interesting, uh, was in an essay published in 1608. Minor found the word colander on page 102, countenance on page 10, and ulcerated on page 12. Wow. Three, three very handy words that I use nearly every day. Yeah, I wonder what that story was. <laughs> <laughs> Over the period of 20 years or more, Minor supplied at least 12,000 quotations in his weekly correspondence with Murray. That's amazing. That's incredible. But despite his impeccable work for the dictionary and Murray's petitions for his release, Minor remained in Broadmoor for decades. He ended up being that he, he was there for longer than anyone else. According to Fulks, his nightly torments, during which he claimed to have uncontrollable sexual desires, never abated, and he saw himself as a vile sinner in the eyes of God. And on December the 3rd, 1902, when Minor was 68 years old, in an act of penance, he cut off his own D. What? Oh. Yeah, apparently he sent for a doctor. He's like, hey, can I get some help here? That knife I used to cut out um, quotes and stuff, I've cut. I've, I've, I'm, I've got up to D. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Wow. He branded that man D, cut off his own D. <laughs> yeah. That feels like- Full yeah, circle. Yeah. 
Penance paid. Two years after his self-mutilation, Minor became increasingly sick. He was 76 years old when he was given permission to return to America to live out the, la- of the last of his days. So this was, you know, years later. Wow. Again. And apparently that was, there's, you know, different sources, but apparently that was, he was given that release based on a, the petition from Murray. And according to Arnav Das Sharma, Winston Churchill was the politician who approved his release. Don't know. I'd take his word for it. I'd trust Arnav Das Sharma with my life. Yeah. Uh, back to Fulks. Murray and his wife went to Broadmoor to say goodbye in person and to give Minor six unpublished volumes of the Oxford English Dictionary to take with him. Dr. Minor returned to the government hospital for the insane in Washington, D.C., and during the nine years he lived there, he was diagnosed as having schizophrenia, a term that only came into usage in 1912. Uh, in 1919, Minor's nephew successfully petitioned to have his uncle moved to a hospital for the elderly insane in Hartford, Connecticut, called The Retreat, and less than a year later, Minor died of pneumonia in his sleep. According to DeLong, Miner's innocuous grave in Connecticut simply lists his name followed by birth and death dates. It says nothing of his contributions to the English language. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the story of Miner, which is a big chunk of what probably makes yeah. people interested in this story. Yeah, super interesting. Mm. Um, but I'll go back and sort of finish briefly about how the dictionary all you know, continues to be put together because we haven't even hasn't even been fully published yet. Wow. I mean, it has now, I should say, where I'm up to in the story. It's out now. It is out now. Okay. It was out this week. <laughs> at an all good At, book, the, at the time of recording. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, so, Murray hoped it would take about 10 years. When the job was finally completed, it was April of 1928, almost 50 years after Murray took on the challenge and 71 <sighs> years after it was initially proposed. Was Murray still alive? Unfortunately, he was not. No! Neither was Bradley. Neither of them uh, saw it to completion. Oh, no. What? Leaving Ma- Charlie Onions. Charlie Onions is still alive now. <laughs> Charlie Onions will live forever in our hearts. <laughs> Murray died in 1915. Ah, oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, that's a bit sad. But according to the Oxford English Dictionary, instead of 6,400 pages in four volumes like... I was sort of originally thinking. The dictionary culminated in 10 volumes containing over 250,000 main entries and almost 2 million quotations. It was published under the imposing name A New English Dictionary on Historical Principles, although it had also come to be known as the Oxford English Dictionary. And with the second volume, it ended up changing its name officially to Oxford English Dictionary. Wow. So it was 10 books. Yeah. Are they charging 70 bucks each? Yeah. Well, no, that, that that was just for the- um, <laughs> That was Ada Ant. Yeah, that wasn't even a volume. That was just a- I forget what- What was the word? Some word- Yeah, I'm, no, I can't remember either. It was a fun word. Yeah, wow. And I'm glad to have learned it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, so they'd be- So, A- The volume one was- Was it Facile? Facile, yeah. Facile, Facile. No, it wasn't Facile, but it was something like that. Something Fascicle. Like that. Fascicle. Fascicle. Because it sounded like Popsicle. Anyway, in 1888, A and B was released. That was volume one. Then C was released in 1893 as volume two. 1897, D and E was volume three. So on, so on. Um, so they were doing it bit by bit. But then were new words coming in. They're going, fuck. I forgot dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like an idiot. Shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. It's, it's never, it never ends. You just can't. Um, and this whole story probably sounds like a bit of a sausage fest, uh, but according to Williams, and William, Pip Williams 
interest in this whole story was about um, talking a bit about the women who were involved in the process as well. Uh, she said there were women assistants. Women that- receptionists. <laughs> there were women cooks. <laughs> that- women wives. I there was a woman who gave birth to 11 children. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget her contribution. <laughs> and there, there were also women volunteers, but she said we don't know much about them. Yeah. Uh- um, according to Kelly Sugg, Williams is frustrated by the lack of recognition for these women, something exemplified by an event in 1928. That year, a dinner was held in London's Goldsmiths Hall to celebrate the completion of all sections of the dictionary, and it was so auspicious an occasion that the Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin presided over it. It's a quick aside. Baldwin began his toast that night, saying that if he was lost on a deserted island, he would choose the Oxford English Dictionary for company because, quote, our history, our novels, our poems, our plays, they are all in this one book. So, so I like, mean, I get what you're saying, but it's a boring read. But you get to choo- pick pick your own story there. You go, all right, yeah. uh, how does War and Peace start? Okay, it starts with uh, something from page four here. Yep. <laughs> uh, I can't Hard remember. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Kelsey. So that night in attendance were 150 men, including the Prime Minister, and this was despite some women having worked on the dictionary for as long as 50 years. None of them scored an invite. 50 years. However, Williams says three women who had contributed invaluable work to the dictionary, including Edith Thompson, Ross Frith Murray, who gave birth to 11, <laughs> the, uh, Murray's Ross 11 kids, Fifth. and Eleanor Bradley, uh, were allowed to sit in the balcony of the hall and watch the men eat. So, And two of them were just wives of the editors. Yeah. Incredible stuff. And, you know, they were, they were working. And they were allowed to sit in a balcony. And Women love to sit in yes, balconies. and watch people. How's the steak? <laughs> Smells good. Mm. All right. I'll be, sounds, qui- I'll be quiet. That Sorry. That sounds very nice. The guy who killed people had <laughs> had more rights. Yeah. Um. Anyway, with this in mind, it's probably not a wild leap to think that the book was a little biased towards the male point of view and as the feminist of the podcast. It didn't have vagina in it. <laughs> Sorry, Jess, I'm making a point here. As the feminist of the podcast, <laughs> I think it's important I point that out. Yeah. Uh, according to Kelsey Sugg, at the time of the first dictionary, the text available to lexicographers, for instance, technical manuals, professional texts, literature and journalism were mostly written by men. The first dictionary had to be a gendered text, William says. The original sources were mostly written by men and people interpreting them were men. The people drafting the definitions were men. They had the power to exclude and they had the power to include. Hmm. Any comment, Dave? As um, the misogynist of the pod. <laughs> that is uh, not true. <laughs> that is not true at all. I think uh, he doth protest too much. <laughs> I love women. I've got one at home. <laughs> I've got one. <laughs> Some yeah. of my best friends are women. Honestly, Dave. Some of my best friends own women. Sorry, Jess, I was. <laughs> honestly, Dave, it is pretty disappointing. Um, I really think you should have stepped up there and said something. Oh, yawning, a bit boring, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Me standing up to prejudice. <laughs> anyway, once the first edition was completed in 1928, it was time to get back to work, despite what some word Nazis think. Language is always evolving. And so a dictionary can never really be finished. As the OED writes, after 50 years of work on the first iteration of the dictionary, the editors must have found this exhausting to contemplate. Nevertheless, 
As soon as the original 10 volumes were completed, the remaining two editors, Craigie and Onions, the two <laughs> surviving members, wow. they're kind of the McCartney and, and Ringo Starr mm. <laughs> of, the, of the four lovable lads from Liverpool. <laughs> um, so Craigie and Onions had to, as soon as the, it was finished, they had to start compiling a single volume supplement to the dictionary published five years later in 1933. It was like a best of. Yeah. And then at the same time, the first edition was reissued in 12 volumes and the work was formally given its current title, the Oxford English Dictionary. But yeah, they had to go straight back to work revising, like straight after. It must have been yeah, like- Yeah, of course. Ugh, it's like washing, you know, doing, I've just finished washing. I've completed washing, no more laundry. Yeah. yeah. And then you look down, you realize you're wearing clothes. Yeah, you're and you're like, like fuck, I'm dirtying these ones right now. Right now, this is sweaty work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're interviewed, they're like, how does it feel to finish? It feels splendid. Hang on. Splendid. Splendid. <laughs> I fucking forgot splendid. Yeah. It would be just never ending. Uh, since then, 1933, when that supplement was released, many updates and revisions have been published. And since the year 2000, the Oxford English Dictionary has existed online. That's right. The World Wide Web. And it's always evolving with regular three-month updates being published. According to Kelsey Sugg, the Oxford Dictionary, which recognises that the English language is continually evolving, constantly collects new words and new meanings. And words are never removed. They form part of the dictionary's picture of history. It's fascinating to see the trajectory of a word and their life cycle, um, Pip Williams says. Now, I know, uh, Bob, you love it when I bring the story home to Australia. Oh, my God. Well, apparently- Get ready to cry. <laughs> I've been to cities. <laughs> what did you start singing? Either the English or American one, I forget. <laughs> but it's, you know, one of the real patriotic ones. Yeah. Um, no, nah, I sing the Qantas song. Australia. Um, the Qantas song. <laughs> Never had any luck before that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, apparently in the modern era, one of the uh, big volunteer contributors is a Brisbaneite named Chris Collier. And according to Haley, he produced a hundred thousand slips from nineteen seventy five to two thousand and ten. And among among them he got words in like kit off, as in naked, sea changer, snaky, and petrol head. Uh, which were all accepted by the OED, but they rejected one of his suggestions, Bris Vegas. Really? Oh, come on. That's what's what does snaky mean? Bit snaky. Oh, mate. Snake like? I mean, you're the snakiest guy I know. I feel like, you know, look in a mirror. That's what snakey is. <laughs> you look like a snake. <laughs> I look it up from, from Oxford languages. All neck. Snakey. Like, like a snake in appearance. Yes. <laughs> look at but you. But it does say, second definition, informal, Australian, angry, irritable. What are you snaky about? <laughs> It's the example it gives. Both of those work for you. You look like a snake and you are always irritable. What am I snaky about? Not knowing what this fucking means. (laughs) Blimey. 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 I hated that. Blimey. Don't ever say blimey again. (laughs) Whispering to himself, what's going on here? (laughs) So I thought to finish, I'd take you through- um, some Oxford English Dictionary words of the year. So, a, okay, a bunch of different it. dictionaries oh, do I this. I thought you were going to go through. Here are some of my favourite words. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, well, 
I reckon we could just pray, break for lunch. <laughs> Ant. Ant. I, I love ants so much now. Uh, so, um, you can tell me. It's been going since 2004, but the most recent one listed here uh, from last year, Goblin Mode. Oh, my God. What when was that last year? Last yeah, year, Goblin Mode. What's Goblin Mode? Oh, it's it's internet speak. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I think I know you know, mean. people people going, uh, getting very hedonistic. I'm going full goblin mode. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. 2021 was Vax. 2017, Youthquake, which I don't like particularly. What's a Youthquake? I don't th- think I've ever heard that before. Oh, my God. Well, it's because you guys are old. <laughs> yeah, we were already old in 2017. <laughs> it comes from youth and quake. Yes. Uh it's a notable, noticeable shift in society or culture in response to the activity or taste of younger members of the culture. It's a youth quake. <laughs> Man, it it's sounds the youth like youth shaking things up. It really does sound like a word that an old person came up with, though, doesn't oh, it? Oh, it sounded more to me like something a young person would say. Like we're like we're like changing the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, t- uh, hold on, put on a seatbelt. A youth quake's coming. <laughs> it's also the name of uh, a 1980s. New Wave album by Dead or Alive. So, that's oh, how yeah. cutting edge it was. Wow. It's an 80s word. The first one seems to have been Chav from 2004. But the, the Australian uh, Macquarie Dictionary uh, also does a, a word of the year each year. And there's been some pretty fun ones, um, including uh, Doom Scrolling in 2020. Yep. Uh, Milkshake Duck in 2017. Sure. But maybe the best one, Muffin Top. 2006, meaning the little bit of little bit of stomach hanging up over your pants. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, I like it's the, nice. I like when they're it? positive. <laughs> Make you feel good about yourself. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I think, but some of them, I'm like, I've never heard of that. Like, um, in 2007, it was pod slurping. I don't know what that is, and I don't think I want to know. I need to know. What is a pod slurp? It's the act of using a portable data storage device, such as an iPod digital audio player, to illicitly download large quantity of confidential data by directly plugging it into a computer where the data are held, and which may be on the inside of a firewall. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember in 2007, we were all doing that. We're all pod slurping. (laughs) Was that on LimeWire? It's a different time. (laughs) We're all pod slurping. Directly from the mainframe of a LimeWire. Yeah. LimeWire. It is. It's funny because like all of them are pretty dull. Stroll out in twenty twenty one, based on um, the government of the days taking their time putting out the vaccines. I think the stroll out. Same oh, that's right. Slow yeah, roll out. Oh, that's funny. That's a bit of fun. Um, yeah, but they're all very uh, internety words. Cancel culture. Me too. Milkshake duck. Fake news. Mansplain. Burkini. Burkini was 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, a swimsuit for women where it covers the whole body except for the face. Burkini. 2011, that was big. Beautiful time. Anyway, I thought that would be more fun than it was. <laughs> no, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miriam Webster's 2007 one was Woot with uh, zeros for O's. Remember Woot? Oh. In 2001. I think 2007, I hate, sorry. Oh, I think I hate the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I've decided I hate the internet. But it's also, it's it's the internet being filtered through, like, these really old institutions yeah. and dictionaries. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not it a good mix between the two. It feels wrong, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
It feels like your grandma's trying to say, like, yeet. And you're like, shut up, grandma. It's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Are uh, the two that Miriam Webster's 2017 word of the year was feminism, <laughs> which I can get behind. Their word of the year yeah. in 2017. Yeah, because they're normally aren't they like quite an up to date word, but that one. Yeah, does that one was new feel to like them. Maybe that was yeah, the editor's like never heard of it. Wow, I, I might misunderstand what this is about. Anyway, was that an interesting tale? I mean, it was. I don't think we've done a report like that before. Oh, that was. It's honestly, it's fascinating, and it's yeah. such an epic task, and I. I'm amazed that they completed it at all. It's so big. Mm. I found it, yeah, it was really fascinating to read about. But as, as in the telling, I did feel like uh, it maybe could have been told better. No, I think no. that I, that had everything. It had murder. Yes. It had intrigue. Yes. It had words. What were the other things we were supposed to have? It ticked uh, them all. Guy cutting off his own D. Exactly. And it's funny because we had the murder and the insanity, but we kind of felt for the guy. Mm. Absolutely. Know? And that's did. rare. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, he did contribute to society and tried to right his wrong. Yeah, amazing. What a story. I, yeah. And I really, at the start, was like, we're going to talk about a dictionary. Okay, <laughs> the the people have voted poorly, but they've proven me wrong I once again. I was shocked that it was the number one. Yeah, it was a great story. And it was number one, like, right off the bat, mm. and it just held the lead by a big margin the whole way through. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously an interesting story. Dozens of people seem to have written books about it. Like, yeah, that's such- right. A pivotal part of there's the movies. Sorry, dozens as well. of nerds. Yeah, yeah. There's movies. Yeah. Wow. There's a yeah. There's a movie. Uh, Marvel's doing it. <laughs> Word about, boy. <laughs> about the relationship between minor and um and uh, Jam. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, played by two bearded men. Whoa! Wow. Okay, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it's come out. It's already been released. Yeah. What's it called? The something in the Madman. Just very um, so funny to use the word madman. The yeah. Professor and the Madman. Yes, that's right. 2019, two very famous actors. Who is that? We've got Sean, Jude Law. Sean Penn. Oh. And? Jude Law. Give our, me a clue. Our very own. Hugh Jackman. Older. Older. Sam Neill. John Farnham. Slightly younger. Younger than Sam Neill, older than Hugh Jackman. Ooh. Um, Nicole Kidman? No, no Old, it's, older. It's going to be a bearded man. A bearded man. Controversial. Hugo Weaving. Oh, controversial. Controversial. Mel. It's Ralph Al Mel. Rolf Harris. Controversial such a funny way to describe. Oh, yeah. Mel's very controversial. Mel is controversial. Actually, both of those guys are a bit controversial, aren't they? Do we still claim Mel Gibson? No, I don't think we do anymore. He, well, he also he wasn't born here. Yeah, no, technically, I think. But uh, he, but he's Australian in the movie Gallipoli. Yeah, yeah we claimed right. him for that. And Mad Max. But I'm not and sure Mad who's Max. who. It looks like uh, James Murray is Mel Gibson and Sean Penn is Dr. Minor. There yeah. you go. There you go. Interesting. So, that was 2019. I would have gone the other way and I would have made Mel go method and cut his dick off. <laughs> uh, budget, $25 million. Whoa. $5.1 million. Didn't do so well at the box did, office. Dave, it did very poorly indeed. Well, there you go. Deserve better. Matt, fantastic report. Great work. Thanks. Matt. Excellent. So proud of you. Love that. Uh, a number one block-tastic topic. There it is. Blocks over. Honestly, this is the the happiest, but also saddest time of year because we've mm. crowned the champion. But now it's the longest time between yes. the next block. But, but it- since we brought in November, it's only ever ten months away. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. And at least you know we finish November, and then it's nearly Christmas. Yes, you know we'll I have a love. Christmas episode out in a few weeks. Absolutely, yeah. we will. Which is very exciting. So excited about Christmas. And then we go on like a summer holiday. 
Oh, the man. pod doesn't, but we do. Yeah. Um. So I'm stoked, actually. This is. I love this time of year. Beautiful time of year. Every sp- spring all the way through to summer, and then I also love autumn, which is comedy yeah. festival. It's really and only then winter. winter is footy season. <laughs> you love all wow. times of year. How good is it to be alive? <laughs> I think that Melbourne's great because it's got the seasons, and I don't think yes. other cities have them. <laughs> they don't have them. <laughs> Traveling around, it was interesting to find that other people thought they also had seasons. Oh, that's so cute. And I thought it was cute. And they had, like, coffee as well. Just let them believe it. Did they have art and culture? Yeah, well, they said they did. Oh, it's so cute. I bet they didn't have laneways. Man, I had a lot of good coffee in in America. What? Yeah. It was, uh, I'm like, "Uh, guys, (laughs) you can't do good coffee. (laughs) We've been telling ourselves for years that we're the only ones who have good coffee. You famously don't do good coffee. Although they were, usually did reference Melbourne on the menus. Oh, interesting. The place I went to, which was interesting. Made me, made me sing. I've been to cities that never closed down. From New York to Rome and old London town. That's beautiful. You going higher? I'll go higher. Oh, I see a call Australia. Are we still recording? <laughs> what are we doing? For some reason, yes. I can't remember. I just like came to and I feel like <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't remember the last few minutes. What have we been doing? <laughs> well, what we've been doing is making a lot of work for AJ. Yeah, sorry, AJ. Well, I think that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show. <gasps> uh, and I've been missing this. Oh, Matt, we have been missing you, to be honest. It's been too much talking for me. It's been very overwhelming. I've had to introduce the jingle, do the jingle. It's, you know, it's been a lot. So I'm so happy you're back. Well, it's so good to be back. So this is the part of the show where we thank our fantastic Patreon supporters. If you want to get involved in this, you can sign up at patreon.com slash pod. All these uh, fantastic supporters, they're the people who keep the show going, as well as, you know, all of you listeners. If I'm being frank, and mm. I would like to be, mm. all of you listening, if it wasn't for you, Exactly. Maddie. This show wouldn't. Maddie. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. But if it wasn't for them, mm-hmm. this show wouldn't exist. Yeah. Or at least it'd be more of a philosophical question. Like, if no one's listening, is it, does a podcast is it still a podcast? Exist? Yeah. Mate, there's plenty of bloody podcasts out there that nobody's listening to, mate. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> Heaps of people listening. Heaps of people. Because if no one's listening to this, no one will know that we said it and it won't even matter. Exactly. No one, it was a perfect crime. Oh, no, we're spiralling. And, uh, yeah, anyway, people who, think, uh, who support us on patreon.com slash Where have you gone? Where'd you go? People who support us on patreon.com slash pod. there's a bunch of different levels. You can uh, choose a level. Different monetary levels. Yes. Different. You get different things for the different levels. What are some of the things, Jess? You can get access to three bonus episodes a month. Uh, you get to vote on topics. You get early access to tickets to live shows and various events that we do. Um, and you can also join the Facebook group, which is the nicest corner of the internet. So lovely in there. So nice. It's the nicest place. I agree. I think it keeps us all on Facebook. It 100% oh, is the only reason so I'm so I would be gone from Facebook mm. in a heartbeat. You are welcome, Zuckerberg. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so all those things. One of the other ones that just may not have mentioned, I zoned out, is the Sydney Schoenberg level. If you sign up on that level, you get to give us a fact, a quarter, a question in a section of the show we like to call fact, Fa- quarter, question. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I've been on for two weeks and you uh-huh. think you can speak for me? I'm so sorry. How dare you step on my toes? It'll never happen again. Do you want me to do it this week? No, no, just- I think this section actually has a jingle, doesn't it? Fact. Also- <laughs> no, but then he still has to say- there's another line he has oh, to what say. Oh, it goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. Hmm. He always remembers the ding. Hmm. She always remembers the sing. And uh, this- He part- always remembers the bring. <laughs> He brings a cheese putter to work every day. Thank every you. day. My God, Gouda. And I say, choice, stop. Uh, it's clogging me up. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't say no. <laughs> uh, so, in this section, I'll read out four facts, quotes, or questions, or brags, mm-hmm. or suggestions, or really whatever they like, um, from four different supporters. They each get to give us their name, a title, and then the fact, the quote, or question. It can be so, anything. It's so exciting. First up this week, uh, it comes from, and I don't read them out, so I read them out. So, sometimes I'm as shocked as you are. Uh, first one this week comes from a man named Nathan Needs a Username. Okay. And Nathan Needs a- It's a beautiful surname. Nathan Needs a Username uh, has the title of Steve. Okay. I think that's a good username, Nathan. I'm not sure what to call you. <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah, anyway, Nathan or Steve is Because I think like if it was in the credits of a movie, it would be Nathan and then in quotation marks, Steve needs a, needs a username. Mm. Yeah. Nathan, Steve needs a unit. You know what I mean? Like The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Dwayne like The Steve Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Dwayne The Steve Johnson writes, <laughs> A few weeks ago, as of writing, Matt made a cameo for me to congratulate my friend Josh on his recent engagement. Since then, possibly thanks to Matt, Josh has asked me to do to be one of his groomsmen. Ooh. <laughs> That's so good beforehand. Never considered him. Beforehand, he didn't know me. But did did you just organise a guy to do a video? <laughs> well, then. Oh you're God. in. You're in the you're inner the circle of, you're now. You're the kind of guy that could organise a bucket party for <laughs> me. Uh, he says, he asked me while we were waiting outside of Arnie Donner's show in Glasgow, which was re- a real nice touch. Oh. So, this is my brag that I get to be involved in the wedding of two of the coolest people I know. And a thank you to Matt for helping convince them that I was cool enough. Also, I guess I forgive you for writing Nathan Fuck You when you signed my poster when we met you and Dave last year in Glasgow. Well, I appreciate you finally finding it in your heart to forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> I think I wrote a nice message to trying to counteract <laughs> Why would I have written that? That must have been part of a bit we were doing there. Yeah, you were trying to offend everyone. Oh, did I You're do You're a bad boy. We all know that. Yeah. Well, it hey. makes sense. It tracks. Nathan, I'm going to say this, and this is from the heart. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> no, congratulations. That's uh, so nice. Hope you have a lovely time inside the wedding party. It's a beautiful place now, to be. Do you think there's a chance that if we give another shout out, congratulations to Josh on the pod. We'll get bumped, bumped we'll get up. get bumped up to best man. And then one more bumped up to groom. <laughs> That's right. Josh's partner's Let's like- Let's keep shouting um, him out every week until he is the bride, groom, <laughs> Yeah, what, what's celebrant? the highest celebrant? Is that the highest it goes? Probably. Oh, yeah. The Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> I think eventually you become Governor General of Australia. I think so. <laughs> Uh, all right. Thank you very much. Nathan needs a username. And congrats, cra- congratulations, Josh. So I'm trying to say you're you right. Congratulations, Josh. And congratulations, Josh. I just, Sorry. That's the sound of a best man. <laughs> yeah, Dave is drowning. Have you been a best man? I've never been a best man. Have you been a groomsman? I have been a groomsman for my dear friend, Jace. Ah, Jace. What a man, Jace. We love Jace. I, we're in the company of a professional best man. Oh, yeah. Matt Stewart. <laughs> been, he's had the tap many a time. Uh, the, the next one this week comes from Lauren. Uh, AKA, hang on, Matt's future wife. 
Wow. Wow. This is how we find out. <laughs> this is how we find out. <laughs> Can I be the best man? Ah, <laughs> uh, sure. Let's yes. Finally. Fuck. Finally. Fuck, I should have got in. I should have got in faster. Uh, let's see how Lauren explains this. I don't know why Matt's a very common name. Um, True. Hey again, bestest podcasters ever. Hello. Jeez. Laying on a bit thick, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that from well, you, Lauren. Right. Love that from you. Yeah, we're already betrothed. You don't have to suck up. Yeah, you don't up. have to suck up. You can be real with us. Yeah, all of right. us. Show us your real self. Yeah. Be vulnerable. Uh, I was formerly known as the professional cat patter and annoyer, but as you can see, my title has changed. Mm-hmm. In one of the podcasts I listened to recently, Matt said he'd be accepting any proposals he gets. So my question is, Matt, will you marry me? <gasps> Well, wow. I mean, love putting it on the spot too. But you have said it on the record, apparently. Yeah, even well, though not, none of us remember yeah, you saying I that. I don't remember what we talked about on this episode. We talked about. <laughs> if I've said it on a podcast, is that legally binding? I think so. Okay. Well, I do. <laughs> a thousand times yes. <laughs> Wait, Matt, I think we can. I think that's lovely that you're willing to. Just you know, honor that contract. But I think we could get some stuff out of it. Oh, okay. so I think um, I think your first question should be, "Where's the ring?" Okay, yeah, good stuff. Show me that ring. Show me the ring. What, where's what the- kind of carrot we talking? I don't mean no thing if it ain't got that ring. Exactly right. Is that a thing? Yeah. It's a, at this stage, it's an empty <laughs> proposal because, as we all know, love is about jewels. Yeah. Yes, and we want a dowry. Mm. Yes, for our Matt we would like a dowry. Huge dowry, please. Yes, yes, yes. yes Obviously, yes. once he's married, you won't have any time for us anymore. Yeah, that's what happens when you get married. Yeah. What would be in a dowry? A dowry is normally cows, isn't it? Is that- We'd accept goats as well. Goats okay. or land. We'll take land. We'll take land. Or land dowry. Yeah. I would take a small parcel of land and cash as well, but I would like it in a Hessian bag. So, if we have cows and land, that's like a farm. So, not a dowry. We want a dairy. Yes. We, we will a- accept a dairy we- for Matt Stewart. We want a dairy dowry. <laughs> dairy dairy, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> hey, Matt, congrats. Thank you so much. Uh, anyway, my future wife goes on. Y'all seem curious about my job doing coal testing. Basically, I work in a big, hot, dirty shed throwing coal around. Ooh, I wonder if that's the scriptorium. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. That's kind of what they did. They didn't throw coal around. They threw words around. But coal is a word. Oh, my God. He's, yeah, he was in the, the, the mines all day. Can mines you words. Well, he was minor. Was one of the guys oh, writing to him? This is all making That's so all much sense. Tying back Jesus, together. this is a, this is working out a little too well, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, so she finds the best quality coal. So the big drills at the mine site know where to drill for more coal. We also test for moisture content, so they can safely load coal onto ships. That's the simplified version, and not everything that we do. But I hope it gets the point across. Thank you. It does. Uh, also, the coal does not taste good, Dave. It's so funny thinking the things we must have said yeah. to get. <laughs> it's all sounding absolutely batshit. So you're like, okay, I'm assuming we recorded this one late at night or Dave's when we were a bit hungry. Eating coal? Yeah. yeah, I stand by it. I reckon it would taste great. And you're just trying to. Why would keep- coal taste good? You're trying to keep us away from the beautiful oh, taste. Oh, yes. Lauren says Gatekeeping. that coal dust often gets in my mouth and nose, and it is nasty. Or I don't know how that. Maybe that was going to end by saying nas taste hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fine line between nas tay and nas taste hey. Agreed. One of those things where you, you taste it and you go, I don't know if I like that, and you keep going back yeah, for more. Yeah, yeah. One of those. Vegemite. You're like, oh, I can't stop eating it, but I don't. It's not good, but I love it. Uh, it's hard work, but decent pay, which means I was able to purchase my own four-bedroom, two-bathroom home <laughs> when I was twenty-four. 
Got you with a brag too, boobies. Oh, my God. <laughs> Matt, you're marrying into wealth. Yeah. That's fantastic. I'm okay with this, Matt. Can we come live with you? Four yeah. bedrooms. Yeah, that's one for each. Yeah. Um, and a spare. <laughs> wait, no, I, I assume Lauren's living there too. Yeah, but you're married, so you're sharing with Lauren. Oh, okay. So, we, yeah, married people have to share a <laughs> yeah. room. How is that fair? Dave definitely doesn't do that. I'll be on the master suite. <laughs> Uh, anyway, love you, Matt, Jess, and Dave. Please say it back. I'm so alone and stuff for affection. I live by myself with my three cats. Oh, that's who's taking up the other rooms. Uh. So, the problem uh. is you buy a massive house and then, you know, if it's just you and your cats, there's a lot of room. Mm. You know, you f- you, maybe that feels overwhelming. We should move in. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. The Fantastic. cats have to go, though. But did <laughs> did you hear Lauren ask for us to say I love you back? And yeah. You know, just double checking. No, I heard. You, you- <laughs> <laughs> I heard her. Oh. oh, I heard her. All right, Lauren. I'll say that I love your back. You back. I love you back. I love your back. I love. I, I, I've never said this before to anyone. That was a really- because it's a psycho thing to say. <laughs> I love your. I love back. your back. I love you back. Okay. Okay. Um. Thank you so much, Lauren. Uh, next one comes from. No one else. Okay. No. <laughs> oh no, well, yours is implied. Yeah, I mean, you don't agree to marry someone unless you're pretty head over heels in yeah. love with them. Head over heels in love with their four bedroom, two bathroom house. <laughs> yeah, I'm picturing like someone just caked in coal dust. Yeah, cat fur sticking to it. Beautiful, I a think- little chicken woman. <laughs> I'm tired. Uh, I'm tired. Oh, what's going on? Anyways, uh, next one comes from Patrick J. Early. Okay, CEO of making the radio static noise from the old planet broadcasting sting as soon as the theme music ends at the end of every episode. Remember that? Mm. What, was it more- Am I that oh. Yeah, it's more of a that. It was spelled C K K K. Okay. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I lose my mind over you. And uh, can I just say congratulations, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> At this stage, we have you've said it enough times that Nathan is bride now, which is huge. That's, that's second from the top, one away from Governor General yeah. of Australia. <laughs> um, so Patrick is offering a brag, very braggy week in the fact quote of question. I'm here for bag. it. Uh, writing, hey team, apologies in advance for how much I wrote. There's just so much to say. A few years ago, my girlfriend at the time introduced me to Do Go On with the D.B. Cooper episode. Mm. I never listened to a podcast before, and I didn't think they were my sort of thing. I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to admit that now. (laughs) But I wasn't an immediate convert. In January of 2023, skipping ahead, I started listening from episode one, and after being confused by Jess's hatred of accountants in the D.B. Cooper episode- What's confusing about it? I've listened exclusively <laughs> chronologically, with the exception of joining the 400th episode live stream, so that I could make sure I got all the in-jokes along the way. Wow. At the time of writing this, I'm up to episode 406. <gasps> Jeez, you're getting close. Wait, started in January of this year? That's amazing. Hey, by the way, talking that about- doesn't, That doesn't- What? It was 2023. It wasn't January this year. Oh. But the, but but that's more than one a day. That's hectic. I, are you really taking it in? I think you should go back and start that's again. That's way more. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah, because it's f- over 400 episodes in 10 months, isn't it? Mm. That's crazy. In a good way. I'm saying this in a, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. 
Hey, Jess, did you you didn't flinch before, I guess because we weren't recording, because you hate accountants, but yes. uh, there's a shoot going on downstairs and they've built a whole submarine set down there, um, we were just told. How do you is feel that about it? said? Yeah. Submarine. Submarine. Oh, that's what I heard. I heard submarine too. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to do some damage. <laughs> You're gonna shit in the in the set? <laughs> I'm gonna do a lot more than shit in the set. <laughs> that's I just think they're silly. I don't hate them. Mm. I think they're silly. But yeah. and they're probably I imagine it's a comedy thing. They're probably yeah, making so it's fun of them too. Because they're silly. Yeah, up periscopes. It actually stuff. makes heaps of sense to be filming comedy sketches about the the silliest thing. Mm. So yeah, no, no, that's fine. I won't shit in it yet. Um, unless I learn it's an homage to submarines, and then I will be defecating. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patrick continues. I'm an independent Aussie musician, and my brag is that also at the time of writing this, I recently released a new EP. I thought I'd use some of my limited advertising budget to finally support my favourite podcasts, as well as share my excitement about the new EP with the wonderful listeners. I make pop rock music under the name Pearl Lee, and the EP is called It's Real Now, It Has a Name. There are songs about mental health, love, breakups, and self-reflection. I also sent you guys a Do Go On jingle that I wrote a few months ago, originally to the main email, and then recently to this special jingle email you set up after I got up to that episode. By the time you're reading this, maybe you've already played it on the show. I want to say thank you uh, to the three for the hundreds of hours of entertainment and for making me scream with laughter at Dave's character work. Shout out to the sheriff from Roswell, oh. Matt's thousand noises. Shout out to the gun sounds from the Eureka Stockade. Yep, and Jess's uncontrollable laughter at dog shit riffs and terrible jokes. Shout out to well, <laughs> really, I just make other people look good every single episode. <laughs> you're that's I mean, my that's what I contribute. I mean, you're not laughing at your own terrible jokes; you're laughing at ours. So that's bad for all the weeks. I'm terrible. <laughs> my skill is doing bad sound effects. So at least you're doing something. I think laughing is doing a lot, Jess. Wow. And you're also very funny too. I disagree with what Patrick's saying. I think you have value. <laughs> you guys said I've gotten funnier since I got hit by a car. Well, Dave said that. I've just jumped on on the riff. <laughs> so you don't think so? I thought you've always been very funny. No, I always thought you were very funny. The bar was very high and so were the handlebars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patrick finishes by saying you're absolute legends and you bring a lot of joy to so many people. Should I? And so far, I've once again, of course, forgotten uh, that I started a new email address. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've checked it once, I believe. Can you chuck us the ox? Are we? Yeah, because we. I was just Pearl thinking Lee. the same thing. Pearl, let's play him. Let's play a bit of Pearl Lee. Let's get some Pearl Lee because people are going. How's Lee spelt? It's L. I've looked at it. Uh, Pearl Lee is on Spotify, so two words: Pearl and then Lee is L double E. Great, great photo. Standing uh, in the forest with your guitar case. Love this. Oh, beautiful! This is a lovely shot. A verified artist. Can you believe it? All right, so are you ready? Are you all ready for this? Ready. All right, here we go. This is Pearl Lee's jingle. None of us have heard this before. Oh, actually, is the auxiliary thing on? Let oh, no. Yeah, you probably have to turn that on as well. Probably. <sighs> Fucking hell. Dave, <laughs> watch me for the changes. The good news is it was already on. <laughs> that is good news. All right, you ready? He's wasted everyone's time. <laughs> <laughs> ready.
suggests Research is a topic that a listener suggests They prepare a report for the other two Who are in the dark on what they're gonna listen to It starts with a question to get on track And once you do go on, there's no going back It's to go, to go, to go finish there yeah that was awesome that's fantastic work that thanks so much great. thank you so much um no notes loved it that's great and thanks for the reminder that that is that because it looks like there's a couple others in here <laughs> great and what's the email if people do want to send us to a jingle uh, it is isn't it do jingle on it is do jingle on at gmail.com fantastic uh so please if any <laughs> any musos out there want to get involved Oh my god, it's in my head now. Do go, do go, do go. Would it be would it be a bit cringy for us to go around singing, <laughs> singing the theme? I think yes. Okay, just double checking. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Patrick. And finally, this week we've got CJ Tour Tour, who and I'm not fully sure if that's how you say his name, but um, I met him in Chicago. Actually, saw his show uh, at the IO Theater. He's an improviser. Cool. Ten years this show's been running, Friday nights every week at I.O. No, at Annoyance, sorry, it was, not Can at I.O. Yeah. Sorry, I was just drinking water just here. gulping away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, could you hear that? Sorry. <laughs> 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 having a bit of a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to be a bit dry over here? <laughs> oh, sorry. Is that, sorry, is that? having a drink. I'm just having a, I just cheers to uh, congratulations, Josh. And uh, I just had to wash it down with some uh, liquid. Dave set up a little woodworking station in the corner with a circular saw around. Oh, sorry, is that, sorry, is that interrupting you guys? Bang, 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 bang. Sorry, is that? If we, I'm going to go back to the tape and hear if people could actually hear. I don't think people heard anything, but we did. Go on, go on, go on. I didn't mean to t- say so CJ, 10 years of the IO Theatre. Pretty Sorry, and annoyance. Annoyance. But he, he does shows at IO. Taking off. Well, you might even be mentioning it here. But, uh, yeah, CJ, lovely man. And it was fun hanging out with him and, and a bunch of other Patreon supporters in Chicago. <laughs> Uh, CJ's giving himself the title of a mysterious benefactor from the States. Ooh. I, love, I love that mysterious benefactor. Uh, I'll drink to that. And he's given us a fact writing. Hello, all. Matt was kind enough. To- oh, here we go. He's going to explain it. Matt was kind <laughs> enough to attend our show while visiting the Windy City. So I thought I would repay his kindness by upgrading my membership oh. because I refused to let him hold any debts over me. Fair. Do you hear me, old man? <laughs> Our ledger is clean. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Uh, fact. To balance things even further, my fact will be one that honours Dave and Jess. Oh, finally. You did, an, you did an episode with Joel and Cass from Sands Pants about the 1908 New York to Paris motor race. But did you know they made a farcical film about this event called The Great Race, which starred former Jess topic Natalie Wood and brackets, listen up, Dave. <laughs> Those brackets. I'm loving the sass that's and dripping off this. What? And well, no, it's just saying. Listen I, up. Are you paying attention? And it's funny. He didn't even know that you're going to be distracted by a water bottle. <laughs> and listen up, Dave. That film ends with the largest pie fight in the history yes, of cinema. I've seen that movie, and it does <laughs> really. Yeah, I think we had it on a tape or some point. It's um, it's uh, it might be. Did you realize that was Natalie Wood? 
Uh, I no, I didn't realize that. It might be Jack Lemon. Is in it too. The Great Race, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah da- I've I've seen it. Dave, I want. Is that to you? It is Jack it- Lemon, Tony what- Curtis, Natalie Wood. Yeah, I have found it on YouTube. Uh, it's called the the video is called The Great Race. Dash detail dash lol in brackets best pie flinging in a movie forever. <laughs> How do you feel about a pie fight, Dave? Is that it does feel a wasteful waste, of yeah, pie? Wasteful of pie. And Dave, uh, what would you say the great race is? No, um, so <laughs> Jack Lemon plays a really good villain in that. It's really funny. Jack Lemon's what a legend. It's really good. Uh, apparently, the scene took five days to shoot and featured over four thousand pies. Wow, I'm just watching some highlights of it now. It looks awesome. It looks like it would have been fun to- ma- Probably, you reckon, fun for the first day. Yeah. Tedious for yeah. Day f- days two to five. And just as the- as I'm guessing cream pies. It, whether it's mincemeat or cream, no, whatever it is, isn't going to feel good. It, it's all dessert pies, custard, raspberry sort of stuff. Oof. But uh, cream. in cinema, that would just be- It wouldn't- It'd be shaving cream and stuff, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. you got to tie some cats cream together. Cream doesn't look like uh, cream <laughs> on, on the screen. Uh, CJ finishes by saying, thank you all for your wonderful program. I hope Matt shared the fact that your soothing voices kept me sane during quarantine when I was up late at night with a newborn. I didn't share that with you, but I'll share that with you now. Share what? Well, uh, CJ mm-hmm. uh, found our voices very soothing while he was up uh, with his newborn recently. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, <laughs> you three may be the reason my Chicago baby has a thick Australian accent. Good. And thank you, Matt, for reading this fairly long letter. I owe you one. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I must just got up to the bit where Peter Falk, a.k.a. Colombo, just cops a bunch of pies to the face. Holy yeah. shit. Of fun. What a film. I mean, uh, I haven't seen it for easily 20 years, but it was enjoyable at the time. It's a bit, you know, Jack Lemmon's got a bit of the pantomime kind of vibe about it. It's fun. Good stuff. If uh, if anyone's in Chicago or heading to Chicago and looking for a, a show to see on a Friday night um, at Annoyance Theatre, it's called Hitch Cocktails. Oh, that's and good. The, so it's- the night we were there, they asked for, you know, a, a weird fear and someone said um, revolving doors and it set up this whole, it was, it was fantastic, the show. Uh, and uh, CJ was the doorman at this revolving doors. <laughs> doorman, that's good. And, um, I mean, I'm really selling it. You know, like all these things, you have to be there. But um, the other thing is if you're ever offered in saying a drink or the liquid, you have to drink the alcohol. So they're all. Oh, I'll be drinking the liquid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Can so you the, hear that? They're all getting <laughs> a- <laughs> They get like, yeah, the fact that they're able to pull it all together while uh, getting increasingly intoxicated at the same time. And it's a great title too. Yeah. It's cocktails. It's the kind of thing, surely. It starts with the title. Yeah, we're working we from there. And then suddenly you've been doing the show for 10 years. <laughs> thank you so much to CJ, Patrick, Lauren and Nathan. Uh, the next thing we like to do is uh, thank a few of our other great supporters. Jess, you normally come up with a game based on the topic yes. at hand. Yes, so I've gone to the OxfordEnglishDictionary.com and I have got a bunch of recently added and recently updated words and great. I'm going to give them all a word. Fantastic. Wow. Well, I love that. Do you love it? This is actually oh, really God, God, God. <laughs> I love that almost as much as I love water. We've already changed your name once in the group chat today, but I think Glug might be the new one. Well, what's, what's my new name again? Uh, Dick, Dick Trench. Trench. <laughs> Come on. I, Dick I have to Glug leave it. Trench. <laughs> yes, I'm doing it right now. Thank you. Uh, Dick Glug Trench. Can I kick us off? What's wrong with us? I don't know. It's hot in here. That's what I'm it is. Here. We have not been in the same room for a month or something. Yeah. Here's- uh, It's pheromones. 
Actually, it'd be more it's, than a month. It's pheromones. I reckon before I left, you were, you were being hit by a car. <laughs> it was keeping me busy. Do you, remember, mm. though, do you remember, though, when I got hit by a car and I was messaging you from the, the hospital like, I reckon I could maybe do the podcast tomorrow, but maybe see if somebody's free. And you guys were having another message without me going, she's not going to be doing the podcast tomorrow. <laughs> I think she should have the day off. Because <laughs> I got hit by a car. Yeah, but it worked out for the best because you're so funny now. I'm really funny now. It was a real upgrade. <laughs> uh, if I can kick us off, I'd love to thank from Seattle, the Emerald City mm-hmm. in Washington in the United States. It's Mark Smith. <gasps> Not the singer from The Fall. Wow. Could it be? Probably. Maybe. Um, let me give you an option. Do you want from recently added or recently updated? Added. Added? Um. <sighs> okay. Updated. No, 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 no. I have one. I have one. Got away. Ooh, got away. Got away, but it's G O T A W A Y. Got away. Got away. And it's uh, it's uh, in the language of immigration law enforcement, a person who has entered the United States illegally and has not been apprehended by customs well, or they, border control. They got away. They're a got away. It's the a noun. The number of actual gotaways is derived in the following. Man, it's a, it's a U.S. Oh, slang. It is a noun. Because yeah, you've you're like got away. You, you got away. Yeah. I love it. I love language. Beautiful. Uh, thank you so much to Mark E. Smith. I've added the E. And Mark Godaway Smith. Mark Godaway Smith. <laughs> oh, this is a, yeah, these work as good nicknames, I think. Uh, next up from Edinburgh in Great Britain in Scotland. It's Becca Waring or Waring. Uh, more like Becca Treasure Trail. Cool. <laughs> Talk me through it. Also a noun, a literal or figurative trail which leads to treasure, wealth, or other gain. Specifically, a game in which players follow a trail of clues to find a hidden prize. And it's called Treasure Trail. Treasure Trail. That's a new word. That's brand new. Bloody hell. Recently Um, added. And finally for me, I'd love to thank from Amherst in MA, probably Massachusetts, I think we always stumble on this one, in the United States, it's Jacqueline Kang. Uh, Jacqueline Hydrofracking Kang. <laughs> Beautiful name for a boy or girl. Hydrofracking. Hydrofracking Kang. It sounds like you're saying hide your freaking Kang. <laughs> yeah. Can you hide your freaking Kang? <laughs> the, the parents are coming home. <laughs> hide your freaking Kang, quick. <laughs> the principal's coming. It's natural. Everyone's got one. <laughs> Dave's refusing to hide his fracking Kang. It's no, natural. It's natural. No, I won't. No. I won't be ashamed of my fracking Kang. <laughs> uh, Jess, do you want to thank a few? Or Dave? No, Dave, why don't you? Because Jess is doing the yeah, great. Jess is, on, Jess is on the OED. I'll, I'll read out some names. Thank you so much. From uh, Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. Did you get there? I didn't, but I, that's on the Golden Mile. Fantastic. When we do our tour, obviously, I'm going to go all the way down that Golden when Mile. When we do I'll our CJ it, tour. Yeah. <laughs> when we uh yeah we the golden mile all the way from there to Vermont yeah <laughs> just keep it going well no it starts in Gary it starts in Gary through to, Ohio to Vermont Pittsburgh chuck a Yui yeah. not a Yui chuck a chuck a lefty <laughs> oh no uh, from Pittsburgh it's Adam Dashner big exciting one for Adam because uh, Adam actually gets the word of the day oh. whoa another noun Kringle Kringle. <laughs> Is that one word? Kringle Krangle. Kringle Krangle. It's hyphenated. Kringle hyphen Krangle. Um, It's an English uh, regional, northern. Um, A zigzag, a mass of twists and turns. Oh, Kringle Krangle. It's a real Kringle Krangle. Adam Kringle Krangle Dashner. That happened when uh, Debbie Kringle married Gary Krangle. Yeah, and she's independent. Yeah, so their kids were a bit of a mess. (laughs) (laughs) 
And now from the north. A real twist and turn kind of kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'd also like to thank from Broomfield in, this is Broomfield, Colorado, Tim Conley. Vulgate. Vulgate. Tim Vulgate Conley. Um, Vulgate, of course, is an adjective and a noun. Widely known or familiar. Widespread or popular. Wow, he's pretty Vulgate. 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 Don't yeah. be so Vulgate. Don't be so widespread or popular. It's like yeah, it sounds like a like an adult only toothpaste. Vulgate. Yeah, like it's vulgar. Vulgar oh, Colgate. I thought you were gonna say like toothpaste for your vad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't think you should be putting toothpaste. Vulgate. There. I imagine that's now that you've said that, that's probably what everyone was thinking I meant. <laughs> yeah. But what I was thinking like was like vulva Colgate. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That. That's wow. Which do not and, again. And I, I cannot stress enough. Do not put toothpaste there. And Jess, of course, vulvas. That's. M.A. <laughs> For mature audiences only. Children shouldn't- They shouldn't know about that. Know about that sort of stuff. <laughs> I would like to thank from Officer here in Victoria. It's Ash Bar. Bond maid. Bond maid? Is that anything to do with James? You know what? I'm pretty- oh, It's not a good one. Bond maid. A woman or girl who is held in slavery or is otherwise obliged to work without payment. Okay. It's not a good one. You know what? I'm sure that- Bondmaid is um, Bondmaid was one of the words that went missing uh, from the original dictionary, and that you know um, Pip Pip Williams. Pip Williams, yeah, she talks about that's one of the words that's found by her. She's got a character called Esme who's working in the um, the scriptorium and finds the word Bondmaid. Oh wow! And then creates this, and that's yeah. I haven't re- I haven't read the book. That's but very I've cool. Got it, I've got it downloaded on. Uh, to listen to. What are the chances? Because that's just on recently updated Amazing. on the website. So wow. they finally got it in there after yeah. 100 something years. Probably maybe even yeah more than 100 years. Wow. I don't know. I can't do the sums. Who knows? Who knows? Can't be known. Do you uh, want me to keep going with names if you've got I know. I'm going I'm to jump back in here, Dave, and thank from Richmond in Virginia, oh. Ashley Botkin. Flirty. Oh, yeah. Flirty. But flirty, like oh. T, uh, T-double-E. Oh. Okay. So a person who is flirted with by another, like the oh, flirted the or the flirty. Isn't that nice? The flirty. Dave, do you want to do one? F- uh, flirting? No, no, be, be flirted fl- with by me. Yeah, okay. Oh, um, I don't know how to flirt. That's that's the thing. I'm is pretending I don't, but I'm flirting. I wouldn't even know how to flirt. Compliment his arms. I'd love to. Oh, man, I would love to flirt with you, but I don't even know how to. See, I am flirting. I don't think you are. By saying that I'm- I don't, wouldn't even know how to, but if I would flirt with anyone, it would be with you, Dave. I would compliment his arms. That's what I said for you to do. Compliment but, his arms. No, I can't lie through a flirt. <laughs> does, does I can't lie through a flirt. You could say, that, you could say wow, they're so bony. Oh, wow, look at those arms. Everybody, quick, look at his arms. <laughs> is it always uh, customary for the flirty to feel so uncomfortable? Yes. <laughs> yes, I think that is yes, part yes, of it. Yes. Sure. Success. Uh, oh, should I kick on? This, oh my God, this person is from address unknown. Can only assume from deep within the fortress of the moles, it's Ahmad Kitana. And the word is nup. <laughs> nup. Yep. nup. Nup to the cup. It's colloquial, although originally US, now chiefly Australian and New Zealand. And it just means no. Nup. Nup. That's what, nah. interesting. Because I don't say nup. I say, like, nah. 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 Like an N-A kind of. I so, reckon. Nah. And then N-A-H is nah, but normally it's just nah. Nah. 
Nah. God, we're a beautiful culture. I don't know. Nah. Well, it sounds like we've we've borrowed this, like nah. we've borrowed most things from America. Hmm. Online, you can have it back if you need it, America. Uh, I think it's really just because it rhymes with Melbourne Cup that it's got a big nup to laugh. the cup. People love to say that. I missed all of that. Yeah, it, were people nupping much this year? I didn't see a lot about the cup at all. Right. Yeah, me either. Really, which no. is nice. Didn't watch it. Don't know who won. No. I reckon a horse. I reckon a horse would have almost definitely won it. Well, you're gonna have to fact check that because I didn't watch it. <laughs> I will not make a claim if I haven't seen it. That's fair. Personally, I I was great to get away from. It. I find all this sort of gambling <laughs> uncouth. So I went to Vegas. And, um, uh, and finally, I'd love to thank from Manteca in California, Eric with the spice. Eric. Oh, another noun. Domestic god. Oh my god. <laughs> Recently added, a god who presides over a household, or more generally, the home. A representation of such a god. There you go. There you go. They will just let anything in now. Yeah, yeah. they will. That's lovely. Because it feels like the two words are already there, so, but even phrases almost. Yep. That's not a phrase. G-string's recently been updated as well. So that's oh, good, isn't it? Finally saying that it's on the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> well, it changes it up to the H-string now. hey <laughs> Thank you so G, much. G, G, H is after G. To Eric, Ahmed, Ashley, Ash, Tim, Adam, Jacqueline, Becca, and Mark. And the last thing we need to do is welcome a few people into the Triptych Club. What, I mean, is there any better episode to be into the Triptych Club than on the final wow. episode of Block for the Year? Yeah, about a dictionary. Oh, yeah, my God. big. <laughs> Huge. Uh, Dave, do you want to quickly explain how this works? Basically, the Triptych Club, the, this is our celebration, our commemoration of people that have supported the show on the shout-out level or above for three consecutive years. They've never dropped off. They've stayed true. And to stay true to them, we welcome them into our clubhouse, our theatre of the mind, sort of revolving restaurant mm. slash lounge slash snooker hall, whatever you want it to be, it's in there. Uh, Jess is behind the bar. Mm-hmm. She's got some cocktails and foods. I book a band. And um, we welcome in, you in. We hype you up and just... Have a great time in there. As you're explaining it, I'm like, <laughs> you you two really do all the work here. Normally, I'm just sort of explaining it, and I'm dishing that bit off as well now. So I think I've got this fucking nutted. Nutted. Jess, what do you got? What do you got there behind the bar? You normally got something, a bit of a drink. You know what I've got this week actually is just uh, I've just got a like a martini glass, and it's got like a it's got a salt rim, and then inside is just melted butter. Oh. Oh, yeah, salty butter. That sounds. We were talking awesome. about how it's crazy because it's yum. We're talking- that sounds like a yum cocktail. We're talking about how yum butter is. Salted butter. Salted butter. Salted butter. A knob. I always have a knob. Talk about you know going to a wedding or any of those sort of kind of formally kind of things where you get little butter things. Yeah, nubs of butter. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if people have them normally at home, but. Like, they're the only times I associate them with. You know, you're sitting at a, ta- a round yeah. table. There's napkins and everything. Yep. Um, which is what I call the <laughs> the Cambridge Dictionary. And, um, <laughs> yeah, you've got those just little nubs of butter with a bit of salt. You put them on those little bread rolls. Yeah. It's never enough butter, though, is it? No, all bread rolls. Yes. And then they insist on bringing you other kinds of food. Fuck it off. Fuck off. Bring, Bring me, me more, more of this more butter. butter. More butter. More butter. It's yum. So that's what I've got. I've got unlimited butter. That's fantastic. Wow. And, Dave? I always book a band, and you're never going to believe it. Obviously, I've been in talks with this band for many months to get them here because they they headline festivals all around the world and specifically um, playing 
In full, their debut album, which of course includes the hit single Oxford, comma, Vampire oh, Weekend a year. We got wow. Vampire Weekend! That's yes. In, in the 15 year celebration of their first album. Wow. How about that? Huge. How about How that? How about that? I'm flabbergasted. Anyway, I'm on the door. I've got a list of names. I'm going to be reading them out. I'm going to be reading them out. And, uh,. Dave, he's going to be hyping them up. Jess is hyping up Dave. Dave will hype you up uh, in the form of some weak wordplay. And everyone who's already inside the the uh, room will be clapping along. All right. So we pumped. If you hear your name, run on in. Here we go. First up, from Terrace in British Columbia, Canada, it's Mark Wen. They're hitting the mark. It's Mark Wen. Or when will they come on in? Now it's Mark Wen. Yes. From Melbourne here. In Australia, it's Max Massingham. The night just hit Maximum Massingham. Oh, that's a great name. From oh, they don't they don't stop from address unknown. Can only assume from deep within the fortress of the moles. It's Dora Buckle. Buckle in and feel the Dora. Yeah, don't feel well, the like Dora. Like strap in and feel the G's, that kind of thing. It was a play on John Farnham's old uh, guitarist Phil Buckle. Feel the Buckle. Gotcha. Is that what you're doing? Yes, I'm a big fan of John Farnham's guitarists. Yeah. Know them all by name. Also from the Southern Suns. And <laughs> big fan. From Pre- I sold him a heating system back in the day. From Pre- <laughs> I do like that story. Preston here in Melbourne, it's Edward Gunning. I've been gunning for an Edward and now I'm feeling fine. <laughs> From Greenville in South Carolina in the United States, it's Ryan Zicker. Uh, no Zika virus here, but there is this Ryan Zika. <laughs> From Horsham here in Victoria, Australia, it's Nicole DeMorton. Uh, Horsham, it's Nicole DeMorton. Yes. He's barely needing me at all. He's doing so well. <laughs> Sounds have slipped since I've left from Keensburg in New Jersey in the United States. It's Michael Will. Where there's a Will, there's a Michael. Yes, it was so obvious. <laughs> and finally from Lansborough in, or Lansboro from in Massachusetts in the United States, it's Shannon and Brian Cook. Well, there's, there's not Shannon, Shannon and, <laughs> Shannon Shannon and, and, and Brian Cook. Uh, there's no, uh, there's not too many cooks. There's two cooks, Shannon and Brian. Just, Just the right, right amount of cooks. Shut up. You have been away, and yet we have just fallen <laughs> right back into step with one another. So, welcome in. Make yourselves at home, Shannon and Brian Cook. I wonder if that's Brian Cook, the old uh, <laughs> of Geelong Football Club boss. Uh, Michael Will, Nicole, <laughs> Ryan, Edward, Dora, Max, and Mark. Make yourselves at home, one and all. And that brings us to the end of the episode. Can you believe it? The end of another Blowvember slash Blocktober. It's a sad oh, time. My God, this is tragic but also a beautiful moment beautiful the moment that we've celebrated yet another blocktober blovember and we- like we said before you know now it's into the christmas season mm. our favorite season i'm chucking the block tree yeah. out <laughs> on the street yeah and it's time to put up the christmas tree yeah or dave the christmas tree christmas um, but look, I'll just tell people that if they would like to suggest a topic, you can do so over. Uh, you can. There's a link in the show notes. It's also on our website, which is dogoonpod.com. You can find us on social media at dogoonpod or uh, dogoonpodcast on TikTok. And also, we just want to remind you that we love you, Dave. Boot at home. Hey. Just in case there are still tickets available, we don't know if they are, but this weekend, Saturday, December the 2nd at 4.30pm, we're doing our annual live Christmas show downstairs at Morris House in the city. Get tickets at dogoonpod.com if they are still available. If not, thank you so much for listening. And until then, we'll say thank you so much. Happy block. Goodbye. Later. Bye. Bye. 
So I'm keen to know what it is, man. Se- I'm just having a look. The second most votes was 28%. So, so much higher than that. Yeah, wow. And I think I think people are going to be excited about me getting those percentage numbers just right. Is there were at people home. at home just going, tell Wait, me. Tell, tell me. me what number it was. Let's be specific. Yeah. Please. And so I'm glad you've done that. He said around 29, but is it 28? Is it 30? Yeah. Well- is it 29? <laughs> Don't say around 29 if it's 29. 28.05%, okay? Holy shit. There, I said it. Shit. Whoa. But, yeah, this one, I mean, can I tell you the exact number? Please. I don't know. Are you ready for this? I don't know if I am. I'm sitting down. Okay. 39.25%. So, not 40. Oh, my God. You lied to us. I said just shy of 40. Go to the tape. Please add a, a lot of this waffle out. Yeah, that's this right. has been awful. We're really building up the tension of this topic yeah, yeah. with some numbers, <laughs> some real tangible numbers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com